You are listening to the Savage Fincast, episode 14, The Supreme Cast. Chicago. A criminal mastermind called Overlord held our city in his terrifying grip. Ordinary cops were losing the battle against Overlord's super freaks and mutants. Then, a miracle happened. When I found him, he had no memory of his past. I helped him find an identity and a life. Now we have a fighting chance. Now we have the dragon. This is the Savage Fincast coming in for a supreme episode. Because we're going to talk about Supreme. And that's all we're going to talk about. So move over, Savage Dragon. There's a new sheriff in the town for an episode. <laughs> I am uh, Jim Purcell. I'm Craig Olson. And I'm Raven Perez. And this is the Savage Supreme Savage Cast. Savage Supreme Cast. Mark it. <laughs> episode one, last episode. First and last. Um, in fact, uh, as we get into this Supreme Fincast supreme episode uh let's get right into eric larson news uh eric uh eric larson's supreme run which we've just had the uh pleasure to have experienced is going to be collected in a hardcover uh it will run 160 pages for 25 bucks or 24.99 if you want to be specific and it will collect uh supreme 63 through 68 and it will cover oh it'll have every cover as well as alan moore's final script which was used in issue 63 so uh it sounds like a pretty nice little package yeah because uh didn't eric and Corey both with the exception of 68 they both had uh covers for every episode right i think that's true that's cool that'd uh, be a nice i don't think guy. i think 67 only had one two one cover Oh yeah, that's right. But yeah, that should be cool. It I, it doesn't say anything about showing uh, Eric's layouts. That would have been kind of cool too, like he did at the end of '67. Uh, right. Does it say anything about being oversized, or is it just a hardcover? It just says hardcover. Yeah, it doesn't. I didn't think it said oversized. Which I thought was weird too. Is like, are they just skipping the trade and going straight to like a hardcover? Well, no. Usually you do a hardcover first and then a softback later. If, uh, that's typically oh, okay. how that goes, or at least that's how yeah. it goes with other other publishers, other companies. Granted, a lot of the right. time at Image, you'll get a paperback of the collection, and then if it gets like super popular, it'll get a hardcover later. Usually, you'll get like a deluxe hardcover that collects like multiple trades worth of material, but in this case, I think they're going right. straight to hardcover for the gotcha, first release, gotcha. and then probably a paperback later. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they use for a cover for this, if it's going to be something new. Right. Or... I find it interesting that it's called Volume 1, because that's, that's what it's titled as, is Supreme <laughs> Volume 1, which is just kind of odd, because it isn't Volume 1. It's Because it collects Supreme 63 to 68. Yeah, <laughs> yeah also... I don't know. It's funny because I, I guess you could technically not know about the previous Supreme right. like, runs. Well, but no, not but, uh, really. But that's really what it comes down to, isn't it? I mean, this is the first Supreme material to be collected in a 
trade, really. I mean, people want the Alan Moore stuff collected at some point in the future. So it's kind of odd that yeah. they're putting out this one first. I mean, it's probably a, a practical reason to capitalize on it. It should just be the cover, Craig, should just be Alan Moore scowling. Scowling? <laughs> Disapprovingly. Like, oh, no, like he's scowl. not scowl. Oh, okay. Right. <laughs> and then you could be like a, like a gatefold instead of coming out to the left or right. It could just be his beard and it would gatefold down. <laughs> Supreme Volume 1. <laughs> Poor Alan Moore. I would buy the crap out of that. I'd buy two. <laughs> no, it's interesting. I'm, I'm personally not sure if I'm going to buy it because I'm kind of off getting uh, hardcovers right now. A year, a year ago, yeah. I would have been into it because I was going through a bit of a hardcover fetish phase, but I've sort of grown out of it. You're all into super digital. I am. I'm now, burning man. all my books. Twenty first century digital boy. He is from the future. I feel primitive talking to him. <laughs> uh. iPad, what's that? <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I'll I'll definitely be buying this hardcover. I'm a sucker for hardcovers still, so. I think it will look kind of cool on my shelf, and it will be nice to read it as one it is, run. It is nice to finally get a hardcover of, well, there's been hardcover Dragon Trades, but not recently for Eric Larson material. Right. right. So the the yep, binding yep. of this one probably won't fall apart. Yeah, yeah. As some of the paperbacks. A couple of those hardcovers fell right up. Or the, the trades, right. right? The glue just, just dries up, and the pages just flake out. <laughs> Oh, it's that no stinks. good. I've never had a hardcover, so that's really like. <laughs> I, I don't. Mean, it's, I don't think it's the hardcovers. Hardcovers are usually stitched, so generally uh-huh. they don't yeah. fall apart as easily. Paperbacks are generally oh, glued, okay. and so once the glue dries out, the pages just kind of fall out. Oh, okay. I see. I thought you were talking about the hardcovers. No. Okay. No, it should be a really cool book. I mean, it's it's got a good price point. I mean, there's a lot of material in there for twenty five bucks. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, and it will be probably even cheaper yeah, on Amazon. Yeah, you probably pick that up for 18 bucks when it comes out. Right, right. Yeah, I'm stoked. I'll uh, I'll definitely get it. Hope, hopefully the extra material is kind of cool. Guys never – it never seems like guys write like any kind of forwards anymore or epilogues yeah. anymore. I like the forward in a trade. Yeah, remember all the dragon trades used to have the forwards in them and stuff like yeah. that. And it's kind of neat to, to see. Some books have them. Whatever. I think uh, Usagi Ujimbo trades still have them, which is always nice to read. Yeah. And it's good. To, it's, it's it's interesting to have other people talk about other things, other books, the book they're forwarding about. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean there were like a bunch of cool guys that did forwards for dragon trades. I think like you know uh, Kirkman, uh, Kurt Busick. I think Starenko might have done yeah. one. I haven't bought any recent Just trades. Like, there haven't been forwards in them. The not the recent ones. No, recent ones are bare bones. Just trade collections. But I hate. I personally, it is like I super cannot stand when a trade is bare bones because it's yeah. just like, what is the point? Well, to get the story. I mean, I get the point. Stupid story. I want extras. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, yeah, if you yeah. bought these singles, you generally want the extras. But if you didn't buy the singles, you don't care. 
But right. uh, it, it's it, it's a toss up, and I do think more is better. And forwards and afterwards definitely add to that. They're kind of like the commentary tracks for comic books. Mm-hmm. I'd say the one thing that bothers me about the recent dragon trades not that they're bare bones is that they're not even numbered uh, anymore that is a problem they're just they're just titled i think they have the issue numbers clearly stated on the back of the book but don't, yeah don't i'm sure they that. do but it's i don't i don't mind it as much nice as long as you know them. exactly what issues are reprinted because then you can just compare them in the store that's true but you do have to do a little bit of reading and research on the spot sometimes it can be confusing for people just glancing but I understand why, in many respects, why he had to do that. Right. Because, right. because people are like antsy pants about buying volume Numbers 15. are daunting. They scare people. <laughs> yeah. When higher That's than true. one. <laughs> guys, That's true. It's kind of a segue, but you guys, did you guys know, you know, um, um, what's the word? Um, skull Kickers. They're having their yeah. third number one solicited for April. The Mighty Skull like Kickers, the, number one. I the like third that. number yep, one? Like three in a row. They did the first one was Uncanny, and then the Savage, and now Mighty. Oh, and it's a different, <laughs> it's a whole different inside? It, it, no, it, it's the same series. It's a joke, because it's also got a flip cover. On the other side is the regular cover, with the regular. Oh, but it's the same issue in all oh, of them. Oh, yeah. No, it, see, the, what they did was um, uh, Uncanny Skull Kickers, number one is the first uh, issue of the arc. Um, Savage Skull Kickers, number one, is the second issue. Oh, all right. So, yeah, so the, the insides are yeah. different. It's a whole different yeah. issue. And I believe either they're flip books with regular covers, with regular numbering, or they have variant covers that are the same, the proper numbering. <laughs> That's milk genius and cheese on, did on that. their part. <laughs> like Milk and Cheese had Milk and Cheese's second number oh, one. Yeah. <laughs> and then they had like milk and cheese's third number one and i think it maybe even went fourth and it was like milk and cheese's fourth number one we swear this is the last number one i think oh, i remember God. that That's i like it though that what's funny too is they've gone the extra mile to like have their covers ape the cover art of like the other issues the marvel though. issues yeah. yeah it's awesome yeah it's been fairly humorous yes so uh, moving on, um, a bit of a personal news uh, for us fincasters and people who post on the forums. So so our buddy uh, Gavin Higginbotham is named Savage Dragon Editor, and uh, you guys uh, who are you know big fans of Dragon that go on the forums know Gavin as pretty much the super fan of Savage Dragon. He's the guy that pretty much knows everything. I think he's read the series about 500 times front to back. Um, he's also been on the the um, FinCast a couple of times. Unfortunately, he lives over in England, so whenever we record, it's like 3 in the morning for him, so it's tough for him to get on. But um, Anyway, like I said, he's a Savage Dragon super fan. Uh, he's the co-creator of the Savage Dragon wiki page. Uh, he's an occasional fincaster, um, and he's been named, like you said, quote-unquote editor of Savage Dragon by Eric Larson. Uh, basically, Gavin's been keeping tabs on Dragon uh, continuity and characters for many years now, and we, uh, I uh, developed the wiki using all of Gavin's uh, profiles that he, on his own time, wrote for almost every single uh, Savage Dragon character. And 
so he's got this whole like database of all the characters and he knows what when and where for savage dragon and i think uh, eric's been kind of going to him now for a while to to help him kind of figure out you know who's alive who's dead and you know because eric's got about six thousand villains in his book most of them have appeared in one or two panels most of them are dead and yeah and, <laughs> and dead now but but gavin's really been helping him out on that so it's you know it's kind of like a token of appreciation he's listed inside the the credits as uh, editor um and just to pull a quote out of uh, the website comicbook.com larson stated He's not the editor in the traditional sense. It's more of a case of him helping me keep track of stuff and remind me of things I missed. He's acting as a continuity cop of sorts, and it's very much appreciated. He's been doing this for a while now, and I just thought I should make it official. So that's pretty dang cool of Larson to do that. And I know uh, Gavin's got to be ecstatic to see his name uh, right next to Josh Eichhorn's name. So that's a that's a cool thing. Uh, congrats to to Gavin, and um, that's just really cool. It's cool to see that happen. Maybe we should uh, get him on the the uh, the podcast to to talk about you know what he's been doing with Eric and and you know to congratulate him in person, maybe down the line. Ask him, you know, uh, what what like privileges he enjoys now. Does he get to use a special bathroom? <laughs> <laughs> is, there a, is there a private jet he has access to now? He gets like the royal brotherhood of the Finn crown to wear or something. <laughs> it gives Goes him to the, the Finn lot. He j- joins the the Church of Christ. He's an altar boy now. The Church of <laughs> I mean the Church of Finn of Dragon, whatever that is. What is what is it? The Church of Savage Dragon, something like that. <laughs> right. <laughs> when he dies, he gets what he wants. What if That's he's right. already died? He gets a, oh, he gets God. a he gets a bevy of supermodels, leggy supermodels. Hmm. Also, no, I was gonna go further and just say ridiculous like image related things, <laughs> but I'm done. We'll we'll, we'll skip it. <laughs> like, what? Uh, I was gonna say stuff like yeah, he, he gets to uh, you know Rob Liefeld gives him piggyback rides. McFarlane lets him uh, touch those baseballs. <laughs> McFarlane lets him drive the spawn mobile. <laughs> he gets a cop of feel off the Madonna bra. <laughs> Congratulations, you're the editor. Grab him. Right. Tune into Tokyo, Gavin. <laughs> Cover and solicitation was released for Savage Dragon 187. Should be seeing that in April. Uh, The Vicious Circle Rising. A glimpse into the lives of Chicago's notorious criminal organization. For decades, the Vicious Circle has all but ruled the Windy City. Now, at last, we enter their world. See through their eyes. We see their struggles, their fears, the (laughs) obstacles they face. Introducing the sons and daughters of the Vicious Circle. We see the crime family they were born to inherit and the forces who oppose them. Come with our highest, oh, comes with our highest possible record. You know I couldn't do it the whole way through. Comes with our highest possible recommendation. you got to get it. If you see the cover, it's an awesome cover. It uh, has all the kids of uh, the Vicious Circle. Some of them have a familial resemblance. And uh, uh, Dragon fans will recognize, like, Cutthroat, Open Face, Inferno, you know, their spawn. 
you can see they kind of look like them. So it's really cool. It's part of what makes this book cool is that, uh, you know, we always brag on that real time factor, but the existing cast is getting old. They're dying off. They're retiring, quitting, and looks like their kids are going to pick up the mantle. So this is sweet. Very excited. Yeah, I'm super into what's being stated here. Like, I really want to see, you know, through the eyes of the vicious circle. I want to see what goes on. I mean, they've been around since the beginning of Dragon, so it's it's cool to to get a chance to see, you know, some of the a glimpse into like their daily routine or whatever. If that's how he's gonna do it, but anything with vicious circle in it, I'm down yeah. for. I really like. I- like having them in the book. I want to know who the girl in the coat is. And if she's a girl. <laughs> yeah. She's dumpy, she's right? She's kind of dumpy, like, but for some reason I still think it's a girl. Maybe it's the long hair. I think there's – are there octopus tentacles under there, I'm, do you think? I don't know. Yeah, someone mentioned that. I think that's what I it think is. think it's octopus's honestly. kid? Mm-hmm. Totally. Octopussy? First time. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Good for you, Jim. Because <laughs> I was thinking it and you said it. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, that'd be great. That'd be cool. You saw those, didn't those two debut together? Like, wasn't that where you first saw them? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, makes sense. Octopus. Those, their dads were always together, so it makes sense their kids would roll right. together. Cool. So is that... The news. Um, one little last tidbit, and I know it's not as much, it's not really Savage Dragon related, but it's FinCast related. I just wanted to congratulate Raven on a successful uh, Kickstarter campaign oh, yeah, for his Dojo comic. Yeah, <laughs> so congrats, dude. That was really awesome. Bit, I, I, is that is that going to be available down the road to people who didn't get in on the Kickstarter? Or It sure is. Um, it's going to be available through you could just get it you know right through ravensdojo.com um i'll actually be you know selling them out of my house so uh but uh yeah that's uh it couldn't have been any more like disney movie last second but oh I, man that was like getting close remember there was like a week left and i'm like i don't know if he's gonna it, there were six hours there were six yeah. hours we did four thousand in a day and like two thousand eight hundred in that last six hours that's awesome. Congrats yeah. on that, man. I'm super Ooh. stoked for you to, that, you know, you're getting to publish that, not having to, like, find a different channel to do it through. Well, any Dojo fans, I mean, out there, I mean, thanks a cabillion, like, absolutely. Even the people who didn't donate, thank you guys. I mean, because every single, as, as tight as it was, I mean, it came down to the wire. So <laughs> as close as it was, everything mattered so thanks yeah. so much thanks guys <laughs> yep can't wait to see it printed so shall we move on to our discussion about supreme 67 and 68 yes supreme. let me boot up my <laughs> ipad <laughs> allow me to and grab flaunting it in our face He's just like you see him swiping and. Tapping. But no, no, I, I I bring that up because it's funny because uh, I had no intention of getting Supreme sixty seven and sixty eight digitally. Uh, my intention was to finish out the series in print because I'm I'm tr- gradually trying to transition from print at like clean breakpoints 
And so I've you know got the last five issues or four issues in print, so why break now? But what happened was my local shop got bought by another party, and there has been a massive snafu with diamond orders over the last month. And so yeah. nothing has been coming in. So in order to keep up, I had no choice but to switch now. And so that's what I did. Right. And frankly... <laughs> isn't, isn't technology grand? Yeah, frankly, I'm not uh, too disappointed because the quality is wonderful. They do look really good. Something you may not know, and I wouldn't know myself except every now and then I'll just get like impatient and I'll like get the digital copy too. But yeah. colorists color like uh, in RGB mode to take advantage of like how stuff's going to look digital. So... But they take, you know, prints and considered too, obviously. You don't want it to look like crap in print. But every now and then you'll get your hands on a digital comic and it looks even better. better. Yeah. <laughs> it's more vibrant. And I got to say, Supreme uh, 67 is very vibrant. <laughs> That's I can imagine. So, yeah, Supreme 67. This is the big one. This is the one uh, apparently we've all been waiting for. Uh, Supreme versus Invincible's Omni-Man. Right, right. And I gotta say that uh, Corey Walker's design of Omni-Man's most recent suit is pretty ingenious in the fact that he just doesn't wear shoes. He doesn't care. He's like (laughs) got super hard Superman feet. He doesn't need shoes. He just needs to be comfortable. That's it. I mean, you know, everybody, it was funny. The Invincible fans are torn because I've seen both people, like, people are like, it's genius. Other people are like, oh, I hate it. It makes nothing but sense to me. Frankly, yeah, frankly, no. in the real world, they probably should just run around Speedos, but I don't think that would go over too well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just sets him apart, his design, from anyone else, and it makes sense, you know, and it's just like, it's just cool. It's just, a, you know. That's kind of the way that whole book is. I mean, they just like, you know, they you'll see superheroes doing stuff that just makes sense but hasn't really been done. Right, right. It's, it's amazing for as long as superhero books have been around that they're still finding, like, new ways to do things. Well, of course, we should keep in mind that on the cover, Omni-Man is wearing his original costume from way back in Invincible Number 1, which is very much Superman right. colors with the boots and the gloves and the... Uh, chest logo but inside right, what he's right. wearing is the uh, uh, prisoner jumpsuit that he was given when he was captured by the uh, viltramites is that what it is the pr- no that's, that's he's actually his... got his cop logo so oh, i, I thought it was a modification uh, yeah. of the prison jumpsuit no no hmm. that's his what coalition of planets cop right yeah oh yeah, you're right yeah, yeah. but i think you're right you're there's an element of truth there to both of them i think that the shoelessness started with the prison, All right, but yeah. then he kept he just kept it. So I think that that's his that's his COP outfit. But the shoelessness did I think I mean I couldn't swear to it, but I'm pretty sure that's yeah. I'm, I'm not going to dig up my Viltrumite War uh, books to verify that. Not on your iPad. Uh, I'm Jim? not there yet. I got to sell them all <laughs> to replace them. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> They'll get there. I mean. I would do it too. <laughs> um, this was the one I was waiting for. I mean, personally, the minute they announced Supreme, I was like, "Well, he's just got to fight Omni Man." Definitely. Image had never had another like Superman caliber character 
since Su- Supreme, really. I mean, that I can think of. That's and like then, a headline. Yeah, I mean, like you, mean you got your Solar Man, and you got your... Uh, I'm trying oh, to yeah, think of yeah. other Superman types, because there's a few. From Image. Yeah, from Image. Uh, but not like an A-list uh, image Captain guy. Captain Dynamo like just, from uh, Noble Causes and Dynamo 5. He's sort of a Superman type. Uh, I mean, there's a few. There's a few. Definitely, though, you could say, would it be fair to say, Omni-Man is like bigger bigger news than any oh, of those. Oh, yeah, most definitely. Characters. I mean, based on the fact that how popular Invincible is, he's definitely the guy for oh, Supreme. Yeah. He's image Superman. So the minute I saw Supreme, I was like, hell yes. So we basically open up where um, uh, 66 left off with uh, Omni-Man stepping in to uh, stop Mean Supreme from beating down uh, Suprema. This was this is gonna be an awesome recap because there's just so many pages of people punching. Yeah, people. there's uh, <laughs> quite a bit of that. And you know, actually, it's funny you bring up punching because uh, right from the get go, Mean Supreme is wailing on uh, Omni Man because he doesn't like Omni Man sticking his nose in. Mean mm-hmm. Supreme is a uh, pretty. He doesn't like other people telling him what to do. You may have gathered. <laughs> so uh, who does? Yeah. I like how like the first four panels of the fight is just like you said it's Supreme wailing on Omni Man and then the fifth panel Omni Man grabs his fist and then you have to turn the page with a splash of Omni Man just belting Supreme so hard that his cape folds in between his legs. I love the cape wedgie. Is that not hilarious? <laughs> it just it's like look at it, I guess it just snapped his head back so fast that it kind of went I don't know. The physics makes sense. I mean, yeah. he's getting punched so hard, he's getting the wedgie. Yeah, the cape <laughs> stayed still while he moved backwards. It's uh, actually a pretty good indication of how much energy and speed is involved. It's pretty cool, actually. And remember last... The colors here are awesome. Yeah. The what? The colors in this, like, these opening pages are freaking yeah. great. <laughs> yeah, yep. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's it's very uh, colorful. It's um, I kind of like how he's how uh, Corey's done the sky here. Oh, we should probably mention the fact that this issue apparently was drawn by Corey himself without using uh, Eric's um, uh, roughs. Well, he used them for like the first six pages. I think. Did he? Because even because here's the thing: previous issues, it's very obvious that Corey is trying to ape Eric's style. This issue is very much Corey style. You can definitely see he's opening up to the way he well, draws. You, on the printed version, they give you a peek behind the curtain with Eric's roughs. Do you have that on the digital? Yes, I believe that's in the last page. Is here fight. Yeah, so they match up. You can compare them. If you're reading the book, you can compare Eric's roughs with Corey's, which Eric's roughs just kind of is our guideline for Corey on how to position the characters. And so all of the, like the, you know, the layout of everything is based on Eric's layouts, but it's not you like You are right about Corey. that. It is very similar, but... I don't know. It's it's like um, if you compare Eric's roughs to page two to Corey's page two, like that Larson yeah. hand of Omni Man's, it's like up in the foreground. Doesn't really look like a Larson right. hand, which in my mind would have in previous issues. Right, because I I don't think Corey is like 
tracing over any of this and just like inking it. He's basically just redrawing it based on the poses and the layouts that Eric. Eric's kind of given him the storyboards, and he's just redrawing it based on right. the poses. I. Like which I think is cool. Yeah, layouts. Right. I mean, he was doing that before, but I guess in my mind it was more obvious that he was being closer to Eric's style. Whereas this issue, it's not. I don't know. It's just a, yeah. that, was, that was just an immediate gut reaction I had looking at the art compared to previous issues. Gotcha. I think I think that's a fair. Uh, I think it's a fair evaluation. Uh, like the. Yeah, I see what you mean with the fist and the big the big fist and the hands. And like the square fingers down. like Eric does, they aren't mm-hmm. – I would think that would be more pronounced in previous issues. But in this one, it's yeah, much I, more Corey style with the more realistically rendered rendered fingers, I guess. Less foreshortening. I, I see what you're saying. But, you know, the, the thing I can tell usually is like I can tell Eric's layouts as opposed to other people's. Right. Like, I can tell Eric laid out something. Like, I can tell he did the first six pages. And then when you look towards the end of the book, just certain ways, Eric just doesn't draw like that. I haven't, you know, like, you can see Eric's poses from reading, you know, almost 200 issues of Savage Dragon. I can just tell the way he, you know, poses guys. And and I can look at a page and be like, well, it doesn't really look like the way Eric would, would pose something. Right. Yeah. Would lay something out. So, it's definitely cool to see, like, you know, half the book with Eric's layouts and half the book Corey on his own. Fair enough. True. Okay, so fight's going on. Omni-Man gets turned around and then squeak the Supreme Mouse. <laughs> Best character uh, ever. I like him yeah. a lot. He's got a great character design. So, when you read his, his like, his, thought, his, uh, his speech bubbles... How do you read the yeek part? Like he's inhaling. Do you actually he's... read it out loud, or do you skip over it and just read? I, I hear it. In my I kind of hear like, it too. <laughs> it's like he's whistling through his nose, or he's like inhaling through his teeth. I don't know. That's kind of how I hear it. He's like diet yeek soda, <laughs> skim yeek milk. Yeah. Uh, that's ridiculous. There's I just love how he the... he looks like. Mickey Mouse on like steroids. <laughs> that was what I was gonna say. It's just it's like, hilarious. His face. It's so stylized in like the Walt Disney Mickey Mouse version. But he's got like human eyes and like makes I don't know. It, I thought I, I found his design to be. I mean, he's got like a human face, but he's got like but the Mickey Mouse ears. Yeah, so like he's like he's wearing so... white face with like a black on his nose and like. He's like humanoid more so than Mickey Mouse would be, I guess. Yeah, yeah. But it's just the ears. Like no, no other mouse. Like no one else draws like mice ears like like that. You know yeah, what I mean? They're just black circles. So, they don't got any kind of yeah. hole for sound or anything. They're just black discs. <laughs> it's awesome. It's yeah. It's awesome. It's it's like such a mi- obvious like Mickey Mouse rip. Like just the head. Yeah. I'm trying to think of Alan Mord's uh, squeak, and I can't. I'm like trying to Google image search it. I just think I can't find it. But like, uh, I feel like he was much more like Mighty Mouse. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, much more like that's how he sort of looked. But uh, you know, this is awesome. Uh, you know, like you said, the realistic face. It's just so weird, <laughs> like off-putting. 
Now, here's what I don't get. Like, am I missing something here? Like, they're just, like, talking away, and then, you know, Squeak's like, oh, you know, your sister Supreme is at death's door, lying on the side of a mountain while Supreme is mixing it up with Omni-Man. How does he know that? And why is he just chilling if he does know that? Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think how that struck me as weird, but at the same time, are they like connected somehow, or I, like I just don't have the background with Supreme. I don't know. It is. That. It was kind of weird to me, and also the phrase "at death's door" for some reason because it gets used multiple times, and it's just kind of there. But it is mm-hmm. kind of weird in the timing of this scene, and I guess we're supposed to take from this that Supreme and Omni Man have been fighting for a while, and that Supreme has already been picked up by somebody. And yet somehow Squeak found out about it. Maybe, but she's when they drive over to get her, she's still laying on the side of the mountain. Is she? Oh, you're right. Yeah. You're right. So how does he know? And why isn't anyone like if it was something that was like broadcast on the news? Why didn't somebody else like help her? Right. That's the only thing that, about this issue. I'm just like, I'm just not understanding. Yeah, it but. does seem like a bit of a, a cheat to just get them on the scene. But I don't know. Space constraints. I guess you got to move things forward. It, it, I don't think there's supposed to be any kind of explanation. It's just he knows through yeah. some. I wanted to say, and this is kind of the thing that maybe he was getting at, because it's weird, this whole nebulous. The problem is, is that it wasn't super defined on Alan Moore's run, right? Yeah. But the thing was, is with the retcons, is that the retcons were kind of like in the beginning of Alan Moore Supreme, it was kind of like a whole new world. And this spills over into the second issue. So I didn't think I should bring it up until a little bit later. Maybe I'll get into more detail and just chop it off real quick. But to say that the fact that squeak here is kind of like talking about, you know, Supreme Suprema and all that stuff and then, like, Ethan's trying to draw samples. In a way, what's happening here is that, like, Ethan is kind of, like, you know, and even he even asks him, he's like, you've given up, you know. Ethan's kind of, like, sliding into this new continuity. Right. Like, as, as a not-powered guy. Right. Meanwhile, Mean Supreme is this new version of continuity Supreme. Whereas, you know, Squeak here is still very much, you know, he's he's even saying, you know, everybody looks at me weird, I don't like it, you know, he's not fitting in with this new continuity. Right, right, right. I didn't know if that was an intentional thing, but that was no, I, the difference. I, I think it is. I mean, he's definitely like, so Ethan, again, was skipping ahead to issue 68, but you find out that he, his drawing ability just sucks now. So it's probably linked to his powers that he had. You know, he was probably such a great artist because he had supervision or whatever. You know, he was just he had superpowers. So now he's like you said, he's kind of turning into that just normal guy, and it's just. And then you saw you saw in the previous uh, issue where um, uh, what's his girlfriend's name? Uh, uh, what's her name? Not her girlfriend, his girlfriend, the, the, yeah, the one she's, that left him. <laughs> she's losing her memories of her time with him. So everyone's exactly. kind of just melding into that new, the new reality. Right. 
and that's what's kind of different about Eric's run on Supreme. Like I said, at first it's kind of confusing, but what's so different about what happened on Alan Moore's run and on this run is in Alan Moore's run, like when there was a new reality, everybody, there was no existence or proof of the old reality. So mm-hmm. everybody was just cool. Everybody was chill. Everybody was on the same page. And if you were from any old continuity or whatever, you were in the supremacy. Gotcha. The difference here, and I guess it does lead to confusion, but like I said, or like you said too, in 68, there's a lot more of that. They touch on it again a lot, mm-hmm. is that these are characters that came out of the supremacy, so they're unlike in the previous version. They're not just fitting into place. They're not really just changing. They're They're actually kind of struggling with, you know fitting in with this new reality so it's confusing but yeah they're the like time, they're screwing things up by being there like they're not exactly. supposed to be there yeah they were never like mean supreme is the supreme of this new role right so these guys aren't really the way things worked in the previous run they're not even really supposed to be a well thing. that like i think i mentioned that when we talked about uh supreme 66 when ethan goes to his apartment and it's a big hole in the ground it's missing yeah because right. the universe itself has no place for him that's a great point. Yeah, yeah, you did say that. Yeah. So yeah. I think it's it's funny because it's confusing. And it's at first it seems like maybe mistakes are weird. But when you think about kind of things in that way, it's actually like I was thinking about it. I don't know. Like I said, I was reading these and I was like, wow, this run is probably not going to get a lot of love for its writing or whatever else. Mm-hmm. But if you read like Alan Moore's Supreme, it's kind of impressive how given there really wasn't too much rules or definition, it's kind of cool how they did actually, Eric took a lot of those ideas and he did, you know, that they're taken into consideration with these issues. He didn't throw it all away. I mean, it's stuff that's stuff that happened in those is totally affecting these issues. So that's what I think happened in those two pages is that kind of sort of Ethan is just sliding into the normal continuity by drawing samples and squeaks like, dude, we got to help Suprema. <laughs> so that that gotcha. brings up an inch. That that's an interesting point, and um, it does suggest that maybe because these guys are outside of this universe's rules, maybe they are connected in some way, and that's how Squeak seems to have some sort of omnipresence knowledge of what Suprema's up to. I would say that that's entirely possible, only because see the big gimmick of Supreme, and I, if it's in other comics, I haven't read it anywhere else. But the big gimmick of Alan Moore's Supreme was that this was a superhero that this was the story that took place after continuity revision. So it was kind of like, even though the whole revision happened, it was the story of what happens to your favorite characters after their book gets rebooted. Right. So it's absolutely about that. So, yeah, it's kind of cool. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Just got to think of it in that way, which is weird and confusing because, like I said, other comics just don't – they're not written that way. <laughs> uh, this comic is just so meta. So so, so after two that pages of meta commentary that makes us scratch our heads, <laughs> we turn to some more nice and see two guys punching each other. <laughs> <laughs> so I did arc. <laughs> would you say – if you had to guess, would you guess these are Corey pages? I think they are. Yeah. They're different, but they're yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I uh, 
do not want to be the people living in the upper stories of that building that snapped in half. Yeah, that sucks. <laughs> so the people in the cab, that poor cab driver. Hope his meter's running. Buzzing. <laughs> <laughs> and there's your bracket of doom. Yep. I think there's a whole lot of thrakachooms and thracooms and brackabadooms in here. Tons of chunks of rock. The most variations on that in an issue. (laughs) I like how uh, we see Supreme shoot him with heat, you know, Omni-Man with heat vision, and you realize that Omni-Man doesn't have heat vision. No, that's the one thing Omni-Man doesn't have are eye powers. I also like that visual. It's like a Cyclops blast, but just the furrowed brow above it. Yeah, it's, uh... Yeah, and, and, you know, there's something about this page doesn't... Uh, it seem, I don't know if it seems, like, over-rendered or maybe let or something. It just... The coloring seems a little different from previous pages. Yeah, this one page, it seems like something's It's like it's darker somehow. Yeah, yeah. It does in print, too. It does? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yes. Probably a minor thing. It seems like it was like drawn small and then blown up, maybe. I don't know. It just seems a little... I can't tell from looking at it. Yeah, I don't know. Also, <laughs> there's some weird... It's just a little blurry. There's a really like, weird perspective crisp. thing going on here where basically Omni-Man looks like a giant with this little tiny city and this little tiny toy car next to his hand. I don't know. It's just a weird perspective <laughs> thing where the city looks tiny. Something going on with like the tangents or something. Yeah. You think like I don't. I can't even. I, I'm not an artist, so I can't describe it. I know the city's supposed to look far away, but I see what you're saying. There's no like overlap. City. There's no overlap between Supreme and the city, so that's what's happening to your eye. Yeah. So if Supreme's yeah. like fist yeah. was in front of a building, it would look. It would. It would. Wouldn't make it look as like a t- right. Yep. It would definitely help drive home the fact that he's in the foreground. Right. So that's sort of what's happening. Yeah, I see what you it, mean. Like, yeah. Looks like Supreme's like behind a tiny city. I don't know. It's uh... <laughs> junior art critics for, for art like quarterback <laughs> coaching it. I forgot about your cursed heat vision. <laughs> Arg. Uh, you know, I will say that I wanted these two to be a bloody mess. Yeah. I that's the only thing is I am amazed actually. At how bloodless this is, because when two Viltramites fight, it's a damn bloodbath. Yeah. You would you not agree? I mean, and I'm not saying yeah. I knew that. Like, you kind of know the rules. Like, they're not going to be punching each other's guts out and stuff. Right. As as is want to happen in Invincible. Right. But I just thought there'd be some mouth blood or nose blood or something. This is a pretty bloodless fight. Yeah. We got a little bit of blood, like I think on the. Yeah, the very, like the third page of the book, there's blood coming out of Omni-Man's mouth when Supreme hits him, but that's about it. Yep. It's a, I was surprised. That was my main thing. I'm not disappointed in like the action. I mean, it's pretty good like action considering, yep. but I was really surprised well, at the uh, lack of blood. Well, considering how messed up Suprema's face looks in the next in the following scene. It's, that's kind Which of, I think looks really, really cool. Well, okay. cool as in very, very brutal. Yeah, I just oh, like yeah. the inking job on it and stuff. Like it's just, it was a good job on, on the drawing. I think it looks neat. It is cool. It has like uh, the blacked out eyes and stuff. Yeah, 
She just looks like the, a mess. The blood spatter. This is a cool effect. Good Lord Choke. <laughs> choke. Oh, yeah. It's like, I love it's like a Good Lord choke. 70s-ism or something. <laughs> Ethan's that kind of guy, I guess. Good Lord Choke. My sister. <laughs> But yeah, in this scene, they find uh, Suprema, and uh, I guess Sister Supreme's with them, and they're in a jeep, and they take her to a hospital, which strikes me as an odd, which takes, which strikes me as an odd thing to take a, a superhuman to, just to a regular hospital. But that's just me. Well, where else would they go, though? I don't know. Is there superhuman hospitals? I'm, Dragon goes to the hospital all the time. That's a good point. That is a good point. I was totally like, I was like, yeah, Jim's right. What? what how wrong? <laughs> and then, bam, you're right. Dragon is in the normal hospital like every other issue. But you got to think there should be a superhuman hospital. There's like superhuman prisons and whatever else. Wouldn't it make sense to have some kind of superhuman hospital? There's supervillain bars. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Of course. Um. My big curiosity is, is how do you help a person with invulnerable skin? It's got to be problematic. Jackhammer. <laughs> That's it. She's, uh, it was awesome is that like, too, like she's just been beaten in a pulp. So like, what do you do for somebody that's just suffered a severe beating? What's the treatment? I don't know. I did clean up lacerations, stitch them together. I don't know. I do like the, the the panel of the Supremes, like, just in the Jeep. It's a good panel. I don't know. At first it seems weird, but you think, like, the whole thing is, like, these guys are really powerless, you know? They're just yeah. a bunch of normal dudes. That's all they are. They have, they have nothing. <laughs> they don't have hookups in this real so, world. let me ask you this. Was Lion-Headed Supreme just too good to hang out and help out? What about Classic Supreme? Yeah, those bastards. Notice he's not there. What I guess a bag. They, they couldn't all fit in the Jeep, so... <laughs> Sorry, my Jeep only seats four. Lionhead, Classic, you stay home. <laughs> Where did this fight with Suprema... Wasn't it kind of not in a place you could drive to? Well, it's... They got, like, a Jeep, and it definitely looks like a barren mountain top somewhere, so... I don't know if they couldn't drive there. It's just there wasn't any buildings or a city there. Okay. I don't know. Just roll You with know it. what it is? It's just too much time between this and the last issue. We forgot. We forgot. That's it. That's not good. We forgot. Frackathoon. Yep, so we're back to the fight again. And now this page definitely looks mostly Corey. That, like you said, the composition is different when Corey does it himself. That second panel with uh, Omni-Man smashing Supreme's face yeah, into a wall. Eric doesn't do that stuff. So. No, at least it's not that, I guess, um, oh, how do I even describe it? I'm not an artist. He just doesn't pose it that way. I don't know. Like, the layout is just, that's not, it, if I looked at that and you told me that Eric did that, I would be surprised. Yeah, it does seem like it's not a very good economy of space on this page, the panel layout anyway. Well, I don't I guess Eric. It, it, it's not a problem with me that I don't think it looks bad or anything like that. It's for me, I just I can tell like it's just you follow an artist long enough, you can just get a feel for what his stuff is versus what someone else is. And 
I think the panel's fine, but I just I can tell that I don't. I, at least I think I can tell that Eric didn't have anything to do with the layout on it. I if think that makes it's sense. What Eric tends to do a lot of like coming at you kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, like the foreshortening and stuff like that. Exactly, and this layout really like even if you flip to the beginning pages, which we have the roughs to sort of you know prove that he did you know those layouts. And there's a lot of, like, uh, that. This this doesn't really have, like, if I would guess, like, I don't know. Yeah, this is so presumptuous. It's ridiculous. But if I was going to guess, like, a, you know, an Eric panel would have had, like, Supreme's face getting smashed, the more, like, coming at you. You, you know, know, that's a good point. Yeah. There, there does seem to be a lack of foreshortening in this specific panel compared to ones that Eric would have roughed out. It's still good. I mean, though. it's good. Really I mean, like... it's definitely good. It's got good composition and good energy and all that good stuff that makes it look good. But you can definitely tell it wasn't Eric involved, I guess, in drawing the panel. Coloring wise, I liked the you know this red panel. It really like made it you know kind of like like a more brutal, sinister look looking. Than... Yeah, he's got a sinister look. That's a good. He looks kind of looking like a mad dog there, Omni Man. Yeah. He looks a little irritated. And then there's a tiny panel at the bottom of the uh, Thacka Dome where you see someone looking on, impressed by the fight. You don't know yet who it is. Some An onlooker is witnessing this clash of the titans. I like these, these two pages. This page that we're talking about, for those who are... Hopefully we're clear of this with people who are like, listening to this podcast. They're, they're following along at home as we look at these pages otherwise they probably have no like no clue what we're talking about but <laughs> I, I like the two pages in this issue where you know they're, they're going at it and it's and it's uh omni man's like you know don't you see what you're doing you see the damage you're causing and then you turn the page and you know supreme's like yeah well you know you're such a hypocrite because you've pretty much leveled cities fighting invincible and so you get that dynamic where you know, Omni Man was almost like the original Mean Supreme in a way. Well, not really the original, but was like a, a Mean Supreme. You know, when when he first kind of not first busted on the scene. I guess I'm getting all confused now. But at one point, I'm totally with you. At one point, Omni Man was like an evil bastard, and well, he wanted it to be deep down inside, and even worse than Supreme because Supreme is kind of like a good guy, but he just does things like in an evil way right i mean like, he's trying to I, save people quote unquote but he's right. doing it by basically killing everyone who's a danger right whereas right, right. omni man was trying to enslave the planet right so you know he's probably killed countless amount of people and so for him to kind of tell supreme how to you know handle his issues seems a little weird i guess to supreme you know it's like right it is, yeah. The he, you know, him calling him. It, it's a perfect thing. Neither of these dudes think they're wrong. You know, that's what's great about it. You know, is really there's not like, even though this is Mean Supreme, who was, it's an awesome. I don't care if it was a success or a failure. I think that this run, you know, short as it was, had loads of interesting stuff. And it's funny that the main guy was the villain of his own book. Mm-hmm. As close as you could get to a villain, he was still trying to do the right thing. Is it a prerequisite that two like super strong guys always have to end up in a train yard during a battle? <laughs> it helps. 
It does make for a cool visual, though, when they toss, like, train cars. <laughs> or you just see, like, the... Uh, it is a cool panel of just, like, the trains, like, all, like, jaggedy on the tracks. Yeah. Rack a raccoon. Isn't that almost like Rocket Raccoon? <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of... There's a lot of, uh... Sound effects in this is this issue, but yeah, you're right about train yards. They do seem to be a popular hangout, but it, it is probably because drawing boxes is easy when you're throwing them around, and there's no one around, so no one gets hurt. I think too. You know, it's so funny. I'm thinking about that whole like continuity thing. As we are reading this, it's even more evident to me that. That is just, in subtle ways, that's in this issue so much. Like, the fact that Supreme says to him, I'm the champion of these people, dot, 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 alien. Mm-hmm. That's nothing that means Supreme should have known. Well, he, he he mentions earlier, he says, I seem to recall hearing of you nearly leveling an entire city. So, presumably, at some point, he heard about him. But you gotta think about what's happening here, though. Supreme is the supreme of this book. Right. So the universe, as as the way the supreme is written, the universe is adjusting to him. It's his world. Everyone else is living. Right. In, so right? he's already been here, and so he should just so, know this stuff. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. It's kind of funny because even though it's so subtle, you know, to like attack him like that, it seems to me kind of like you know, really realistically. We know that that's just information that Supreme is saying, like, these two never interacted before this. But I'm saying that's the way Supreme's kind of written, is that, like, he's kind of got information as if he always had it. So him calling him alien is definitely like, oh, he's up on things, you know? Right. I don't know. Like I said, I feel like that's one more nod to that. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Makes sense to me. Sorry, I'm tripping on that. (laughs) That's cool. So, superheroes love to hang out in uh, diners too. And this page, little, I, uh, do you know? Can just someone, one of you two, say what is the most awesome thing about this page? About this page with uh, uh, Squeak and the rest. Yeah, the diners. Is thing. it uh, the Otto Octavius looking guy? I <laughs> mean, could it be the long-awaited return of Jughead of Shakes? Oh, that who it is. <laughs> Could be. Wouldn't you think? I don't know. He's is got that... a shake. Yeah. I I I was a gym. I thought it was just like a Doctor Octopus type guy, but could be. You didn't take it to be Jughead of Shakes. I thought maybe that's just too good to be true. <laughs> too good. That'd just be too much value for my money. <laughs> I'd have to mail them five dollars. No, I, I was the, that's what got me stoked. I was like, ah, oh, Jughead of Shakes. <laughs> I, as I read that, I was like, it's Jughead of Shakes. Fantastic. That'd be sweet. He's my John Day. He needs to make a return. You know, it's kind of interesting about this page because, they're, again, they're talking about the supremacy and uh, the implications of the fact that um, reality's been rewritten. Like, Sister Supreme mentions that she only had one adventure ever. Mm-hmm. And that is uh, apparently, I guess, I don't know a lot about Alan Moore's run, but these people, these characters are self-aware of the fact they were comic book characters. Ooh, I did want to point out that I do not have any recollection 
of them referring to their past life in comic form. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't. I didn't know. I mean, somebody more knowledgeable than me would have to like call me out on that. So, you know, listeners, comment on the forum if you know better than me. I don't remember it. I, they definitely like were aware of like their adventures, like. But I mean, she does like you said. She literally says I was only featured in one story. Doesn't she later say issue too? Uh, Squeak says uh, uh, I had my own book for a while. Eek. Hmm. Yeah, and I don't think that was the way it was. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm willing to admit it, but I feel like they sort of talked about things still in terms of universes and stuff. Right. Right. And and not in terms of books. Like when the when the supremacy first takes Ethan it starts to like, you know, pick him up in the beginning of the Alan Moore run, I don't feel like anybody was like, Well, your book's ending, buddy. I feel like they were like, well, you know, this reality is over for you. Come to the supremacy. And I don't think they talked about things in terms of issues and books. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Someone correct me. It right. was weird. Well, that's interesting. Have they the rest of this? Have they at any point in the rest of this run? I want to see say that maybe it was suggested before, but I can't remember specifics. Yeah, I don't know. See, because it feels like, it's funny, I definitely remember in the Alan Moore thing, they were aware of the supremacy. They weren't aware of the Daxia, like the whole like Daxia thing. Right, that was new in like issue 63. That was the last thing Alan Moore introduced, right, was Daxia. Right, so like in their little world, playing by its own, like only Alan Moore knows all the rules, rule book. It wasn't like dimensions, all these other dimensions. It wasn't like a multiverse. It was the one reality, and it got overwritten. Right. And they would escape to the supremacy. So when they were referring to their lives in terms of books and issues, I don't know. Someone would have to tell me. Hmm. I don't remember it. Gotcha. That's interesting. So they have a chat. Mostly they're griping about being powerless, and Supreme has to be mean. Supreme has to be stopped. Uh, Squeak orders grilled cheese. Uh, <laughs> original Supreme seems really, really ticked off at how Mean Supreme is really pretty much an asshole. Probably his golden age sensibilities. I also right. like how you never see his pupils. He's always squinting. Yeah, kind of like that C.C. Beck type thing. Yeah. So, you know they're planning something. Desperate times call for desperate measures, so... They are coming up with some kind of plan. Then we cut to uh, Omni-Man and Supreme again. They're and I love, I love that splash page where they're just, like, hitting each other with, like, just the flash of light in the background. It's just awesome. It's the it color awesome. school. That is a great page. It is. I love how it's like got that like kind of like paint that the paint splatter effect that looks kind of like sparks. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's just it's just cool. It's just a cool coloring job. It's pretty powerful stuff. It's like really emphasizes that those two guys just punched each other so hard that they create a crater and knock each other out. 
And, you know, it's awesome. It's like, really, in this panel, Supreme's getting the, you know, beat down. He's not really taking a fist to the face, it looks like. He's on his back in the next panel. So I you guess know, that's a good hit. point about this page. I mean, I think what we're supposed to take away from them when they, this, the, the big Doom panel, is that they're both hitting each other at the same time. Yeah. But Omni-Man's fist isn't really anywhere near Supreme's face. Although, I guess maybe he it's a follow-through. Maybe his head got knocked back. Yeah, that's how I'm taking Maybe it. they're they both, both already unconscious. In the head. That might be the that's case. How, that's how I took it. They both, like that doom sound is them just punching each other. So that's just like the follow through. Yeah. And then uh, we're back with the Supremes and Darius Duck has returned. That was the big shocker is that they were going to team with evil. Darius well, Duck. An evil was... duck anyway. <laughs> He's awesome. He is fantastic. I just love that he has evil ears. I like that he has hair, too. Yeah. <laughs> Most duck characters don't have hair. All Dax has got that hair. Well, he's... most Daxes. Yeah. The red hair is kind of their thing. It's like how he's black, kind of like Daffy. Like... Yeah. Shouldn't he be, shouldn't he be like Squeaks, like Lex Luthor? That's what he is. Should... I believe that's his case. That's shouldn't... the case. Shouldn't they hate each other more? Well, I mean, is that was there a Duck Supreme? <laughs> well, exactly. No, I'm pretty sure that Darius Duck and Squeak were antagonists. I think that's their whole yeah. deal. And you're probably right. Squeak probably doesn't make enough of a deal of the fact that Darius Duck is his arch nemesis. But I think that might just be a didn't have enough time to dwell on it. I that's what kills me about this. I just feel like there was so much more. That could have been done, yeah. I... So many more, like, because it's not, it's awesome that, like, it's not just that it's a Darius, uh, that a Dax survived. It's that, like, a Dax, like, with a direct connection to one of these, like, four Supremes here. Right. I don't know, it's awesome. I, I want more. I love the the little wax, too. Surprised to whack, see me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's just how you read it, too. <laughs> Not half a surprise as whack I am. <laughs> uh, it's fantastic. So, why, doesn't yeah. the, why doesn't the lion have some kind of, like, speech <laughs> impediment? Because he's not it's actually the only animal. roar. <laughs> it could be roar. <laughs> so what's interesting about this scene is that Darius Duck is being brought in as a uh, solution to mean supreme they're basically teaming up because they feel darius duck might have the know-how to help them out in their supreme problem which is a big deal i mean it's even it's mentioned in the other issue that really there's never that's that's you know we've seen lex luther and superman unite for a common cause or whatever these characters since alan moore introduced dax You've never seen Dax, any Dax, cooperate with any Supreme. So it is a big deal. It's a cool plot point. Yeah, and I was surprised. I mean, as a reader, I'm looking at this, and you know, you know, he's only cooperating because it's his, like, his only chance to kind of beat Mean Supreme and gain an upper hand, kind of. Because he, he knows he's no match for Mean Supreme because Mean Supreme has no problems just killing him. And he's a duck. <laughs> yeah. But... You, you know if, you know, down the line, he's going to turn on these guys at the first chance he gets. It's just that kind of MO, you know? Right. 
Yeah, it's awesome. I was actually like when it was Darius, I, I I mean, when it was Darius Duck, I was surprised. I was like, whoa, cool. You know, sadly, I mean, knowing that they only had the one issue to go, you know, I wasn't like pumped, but like, yeah, it was a good it was a good twist. I thought he was just going to show up in the book later just to be like, you know, at a backstabber at the worst moment. Seeing them team up was awesome. So yeah. I was kind of like, that's cool. And so we, we see that. Go ahead, Jim. Sorry. Yeah, we cut to the aftermath of the Supreme fight, and they're both uh, Supreme and Omni Man are both uh, unconscious. And then uh, throughout the issue, we've seen these little uh, space flying cameras. Uh, if you, yeah, if you went, if you paid attention, there was usually one in most of the fight scenes at least once. And uh, so one of them, boat moms are multiple, many of them, uh, uncurl tentacles and. Pick up Supreme. I like the design on those. It's simple, but it's cool. Right. That's all. I don't have anything else. And then uh, they take him up, I guess, to a spaceship, and there's this guy, of which I have no history with. <laughs> That's uh, son of Chrome. Yeah, son of Chrome. He was. He appeared in. I have like the first five issues of the original Supreme, five or six, maybe more. But Chrome appeared, was on the cover of actually one of the original Supremes. And I actually looked him up on like, I don't know, Comic Vine or one of those websites. And he only made that one appearance in the book on one issue. And it's one of the issues I have from like, whatever, 1994 or whatever. What happened to him? Did he get blasted in half in one panel? I don't even remember. I have it in a long box buried somewhere. I have to go like dig through and find it. I didn't bother to to read it, but um as, as he was chrome, which looks exactly pretty much like chromium, a little bit different. It's got that same looking face and everything like that, but if you if you do like a if you look on Comic Vine or, or one of those kind of comic databases under the original uh, Supreme volume You'll see like the fourth or fifth issue or something as Chrome on the cover. Okay. Amongst the original Supreme villains, he was one of the better like, like a lot of the early Supreme villains were kind of lame to be honest. Like, you know, no match at all. So he was at least in terms of appearance. I mean, I remembered Chrome after all those years. So when I saw Son of Chrome was coming, I was like, well, that's cool. So he at least of the Supreme, like I think Supreme fought Thor and I don't know. Like I said, he never had a really killer good enemy. So it it was cool. It was cool to see his son there. It was kind of like we touched on with the recap, like Eric Larson, you know, having some generational aspects to his characters. It was neat that this was Chrome's son. He didn't just bring back Chrome. Now, th- th- that concludes this issue. Uh, Cro- uh, Chromium has captured Supreme and presumably has nefarious plans for him next issue. What I find interesting overall about this issue is that they never really bring up the fact that we all thought would be dealt with is how um, Omni-Man, of course, is a character that Ethan Crane created as a comic book character. In I know! But it, but it, <laughs> I mean, it, it was never even nodded to or acknowledged. Yeah, that's weird. So I oh, wanted and, that to be touched on. <laughs> just to skip back, Chrome appeared as Chrome the Conqueror in issue four and issue five of the original Supreme. And you can see that on the comic vine 
com website. All so right. If anyone's interested, it, you can see how they look very similar. Chrome, At least Chrome compare field. them visually. So sorry. Anyway, I just wanted to get that off. So yeah, this was a pretty good issue overall uh, in terms of uh, bang, boom, ho-ha action. Yeah, there's a lot of fisticuffs, but there was a lot to, to talk about as we just did, but <laughs> yeah, there's a lot if to, any of it to was think coherent, about. Because <laughs> uh, all this supremacy stuff gives me a headache sometimes. It's tricky. It's a tricky concept, mainly in the fact that it was never fleshed out right. to begin with. Right. So when I say they never talked about their life in terms of comics, like it could actually, if you want to just accept it that way, it could be that in this iteration, I mean, clearly these guys have been affected by the world they're in. Right. I mean, they don't have powers, for one. For two, like Ethan and his girlfriend, like forgetting each other, you know, yeah, I'm forgetting you and all that stuff. So I'm just saying, like, you could just accept the fact that in this version, they remember their lives as comics. That's fine. I'm fine with that. Yeah. So we should probably move on to the next issue since we're going to be do a double header here, get them all out of the way, finish it up. Sixty-eight. Supreme sixty-eight. Uh, interesting issue in general covers pretty minimalist with just chrome punching supreme in the face and eric larson's <laughs> big ass name on the top alone yep. can i say i love the like the way chrome is posed like he's running at you yeah and supreme's getting knocked out it's like he was running to get something and supreme got in his way <laughs> it is like funky go to the i'm the first pose. one in line for the ice cream cone <laughs> exactly out of the way supreme it's awesome. I do love it. I love it to death. And of course, there's like some rocks. Just randomly hanging out. I love that you can kind of see his toe like a little bit in his shoe there, Supreme. Oh, yeah, he's got that kind of like that uh, double, he's like, what are those shoes called? I can't even remember what they're called. They're like really popular now for running shoes where you got individual toes. Ugh, I hate that. That looks so creepy. Yeah. But yeah, they kind of look like he's wearing cloth booties, I guess. <laughs> he's just getting put the crap punched out of yep. him. Spitting out blood. So uh, we kick off, and first obvious difference is, of course, that Eric Larson wrote and uh, drew this entire issue himself. Uh, he, this first uh, scene with Ethan Crane uh, submitting art to a uh, presumably a comic publisher... Of the universe. Mr. Eggberg of Crash Comics. Crash Comics, yes. It's kind of a minimalist, I guess, approach in the line work here. Not a lot of line work. Very, very pencil thin. It kind of looks like like a riff on kind of like Bill Sinkowitz kind of style in a way to me. Yeah. What? He kind of did some stuff in Pop Gun like that. Too. Right. Do you guys of... like this or? I like it. I mean, it's mm -hmm. different. I think it works. Um, like you said, he did this sort of artwork with like Pop Gun and uh, uh, Herculean, uh, but yeah, in this man. case, the coloring is doing a lot of the legwork, uh, shading-wise, to give it more, uh, I guess, uh, pop. Right. I I really like it because I don't know. It's just another one of the styles that kind of like you never see it, an artist like a pro such as Larson uses many different styles. Right. What's, Larson what's, has many kind of different styles of 
of trying, you know, of testing things out and doing things. And even, you know, in Savage Dragon, he, you know, he does like a Frank Miller style one time, you know, he'll do an open European style. He'll do like a Jack Kirby style. Like you never really see many pros, you know, use more than one or two different styles. You're absolutely correct. It's pretty neat how Eric does that. On the other hand, you guys can interrupt me or whatever if you have a point to make. But I don't think that the style was right for this book because things were so much tighter with Corey pencil and inks. It's kind of jarring. It is, and I, I don't disagree with yeah. that. But what I find really interesting is what, once we get out of, out of this scene where uh, Ethan's basically getting told that his art's no good for yeah. modern comics – Right. Is we we jump to a scene with Mean Supreme on uh, Chromium's planet, and that is much more, I guess, um, Corey style. Lots of thick lines, more rendering. Yeah, yeah I, way, I love that spread. Lots of black. That spread is gorgeous. And that seems consistent between but, the two scenes. Basically, any scene where we get the unpowered Supremes has this kind of open, thin line weight look and any scene with supreme like yeah right and any scene with supreme mean supreme is like more heavily rendered with the line weight and i think but i agree yeah and i think I that works going back and forth between the two uh scenes because it kind of gives it each their own uh i guess style but even even the fight scenes are still seem a little minimalist yeah probably things but compared to what you know we can do yeah. right the thing i feel like is you know, it's – I don't get me wrong. I like the art and I like that Eric kind of takes these chances and, and does these things and I think it's great. I just don't think he should have done it with this issue. A, because there's a lot of people that might like the Supreme character that aren't into like Eric Larson as an artist and it's just jarring, like a jarring switch to, to kind of leave his run on, you know – this? Such a different style, yeah. See, I'll um, agree. I disagree, I'll, but I'll let Raven say what he wants, his piece. Well, all I was going to say is that, like, uh, right before the podcast, you know, me and Jim were talking about, like, general reaction that we saw, and one of the things that uh, he said he found, um, was it uh, Newsarama or CBR? Oh, yeah, there was a very scathing review on Newsarama that, unfortunately, I lost. Let me dig it back up. The main thing I wanted to point out that Newsarama was that they attacked the art as unfinished the main thing is is that if you read larson like you said you know if you're exposed to pop gun and whatever else you're aware that like this uh you know sketchier pop gun style it's a thing it's a choice and like jim said the difference between the fight scenes even though some of the other supreme stuff's more scaled back there's definitely line weight cross hatching it's a different approach that you know if you read his stuff all the time you recognize exactly but for for people, you, I have to agree, I think, with Craig, is that just in a way, there was a point to prove. Or maybe there was no point to prove. Maybe just no. had nothing to prove to anybody. Yeah, really, I don't think Eric really gives a shit, honestly. And he's just <laughs> having Sounds like no, Eric. I mean, not that he doesn't give a shit about it looking good. I mean, he doesn't give a shit about, you know, people's opinion of his art i mean we all know he's a great artist if he wants to try a different style or approach he's just gonna do it and if he thinks that's the way he's you know he's gonna have most fun doing something he's gonna do it that way but like i'm what i'm saying is just like a lot of these people that read supreme aren't maybe aren't 
Larson fans and don't have that, you know, understanding or that acquired. I don't know if it's an acquired taste of Larson. I don't. I don't think it's so much an acquired taste, but just an understanding that this is a choice that he's making to do it. If he really wanted to make it tight, he could make it tight. You know. Right. Oh, yeah. He did. He wasn't the the point. He, he wasn't cutting corners. He did this intentionally to make exactly. these scenes look this way and have the other scenes look this way. Right. Now it's him as a creator making a decision, not cutting corners just to save time. I saw somebody, and I'm not going to mention whose name it was, but there was a Facebook page where someone was like, you know, it's cool and everything for a 24-hour comic, but it just doesn't look tight enough for, or it's not the exact words, but it was something to the effect of just for like a published book. And, you know, the other yeah, thing right. is a lot of these <laughs> guys that are reading this you know, like they're not into alternative comics or different things. You know, a lot of right. these, a lot of people out there want to read superhero books, and they're used to them a certain way. So, you know, this is not the kind of art you're going to see really in a in a Marvel or a DC comic. And thank God for that. You know, I'm glad and I'm happy about that. But you're going to have some backlash against it. Um, one of the big things I think, which I think is kind of cool, but it does give it that kind of 24 hour comic feel, is <laughs> there's no rulers used, you know, like all of the boxes are just hand drawn kind of wobbly panels. I liked that. <laughs> yeah, I, I like it too, but I could see how somebody would pick this up after, you know, reading the, you know, the previous issues and be like, well, what the hell is, you know, why is everything so wobbly and it just doesn't look, you know, completely finished. You, you raise a good point about the wobbly borders. I mean, I could see that 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 definitely. Uh, I think that works with the the uh, non-powered supreme characters with the more thin style, but that's also carried over into the mean supreme parts that are more rendered. So it is yeah. kind of a jarring thing. Yeah, and and again to stress, I love it. I I, I like seeing this. I mean, it's right. like I said, this is stuff you won't see at Marvel or DC. You know, an artist taking chances because he can. You know, right. This is... And I definitely wanted to. I'm sorry to interrupt. No, go ahead. Bad. Go ahead. No, no problem. No, I was just going to say I definitely want to say that too. Like for both of them, what they did for the books, it's just the difference of two guys making two different choices. I'm like with I'm with you guys where I really enjoyed that the normal like Supremes having their you know stuff wasn't all cross hatched and stuff, mm-hmm. superhero style. Because sometimes, even though I loved everything Corey did. Sometimes when you see guys just standing around talking in a diner or something, if it's all cross-hatched and rendered like like two superheroes beating the crap out of each other, it looks weird. Yeah, right. I mean, it just doesn't, you know, you can get away with doing a less like, you know, superhero style just for people talking to each other. So, I don't know. I liked it. It was definitely good. Right, yep. Different but good. I just yeah. think it's unfair that people say it's like unfinished or it's uh I mean it's technically good. I mean th- no doubt about it. It's 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 on its own it's good art, but I can understand it jarring with what came before because it's definitely not the way Corey was doing it with the tight renderings and the, right. and the bold colors and, the, right. and all that it, stuff. Like I said, I I, I can understand what, where people are coming from because there's a lot of people out there just read you know 95 percent of what they read is a marvel book and right you know most of those artists all have that certain tight style and they're all inked by tight inkers it's just you know i think the guys that are gonna like this kind of stuff are people that are more open to different kinds of alternative comics all different types of comics and can see 
you know, the value in a different style like that. That being said, I think that you have to take into account you have to take into account <laughs> that this is the final issue of the, his run. Right. Yeah. And I think his in, he intentionally uh, gave it this this open sketchy style to I guess to leave his mark mm-hmm. on it. I guess to do it his way. Right. For once, I don't know if this is the way he would have done it if he was drawing it his his self the entire time. But I think it's uh, it is his way of leaving his mark as the creator of this run. Right, right, right. I guess is what I'm trying to get at. Well, I, I it's did definitely. Go ahead, sir. No, no, I was just gonna say it's definitely him. Like yeah. you can't mistake. He well, brought it. <laughs> it. It was, you know, I like it. You know, it's visually interesting. I, you know, I can't say, I, you know, I think I said it like this is the third time saying it. It's like it's something that you're not going to, you know, a style you won't find at the big two. It's, it's you know, a creator that can afford to take a chance and take a chance. And he's got nothing to lose because the right, book's right, over. Right. I like, <laughs> exactly. you know, I like a lot of what he did. That that first, that two page spread, it's just the colors, the, the, you know, the sloppy like ink splatters you know, the thick lines, the, the way the aliens look. It's a gorgeous two-page spread. But you, you guys notice that guy got his head ripped off and his head is, like, jammed up his ass? Yeah, I do, I'm noticing that, yes. <laughs> it's glum butt. It's glum butt. It's a little glum <laughs> you know, it's, And, you know, I hate to bring up my iPad again, but with this high-resolution picture, I can zoom right in. No aliasing. <laughs> I can see every detail of his face. Every ass hair? Every ass hair. <laughs> Actually, there are a, a few. There are a few ass hairs, yes. And the other thing <laughs> I really, really dig about this that um, you we saw in maybe the first couple of issues of Eric's Run of Supreme is the return to drawing Mean Supreme with the kind of Lifefield look. There's no mistaking that Larson was going for you know Lifefield style on Mean Supreme's face on on those close-up panels. Definitely. Why does uh does Liefeld make uh, Supreme have a baby face as well? I don't know if it's. <laughs> I was coming you know, the, to the Raven close, just, earlier. Oh, uh, just that, the way uh, that the the eyes uh, are a little like further apart and just it's just drawn exactly kind of like how Liefeld draws like eyebrows and eyes and. See, see, I don't really like how. See, I, I'm I'm about to I'm going to criticize Eric's art now because I don't particularly like how he renders uh, Mean Supreme's face. Mm-hmm. Um, there was that there was that issue of Invasion, uh, the Invasion arc in Savage Dragon, where there's that one panel of Supreme, and I really thought his uh, design was really off compared yeah, to. Yeah, I, I agree. That was a bad panel. I thought. And, but it it seems to be consistent with what he's doing here, design wise, character wise. It just seems. But but now you say that he might be intentionally um, aping Liefeld's design. Yeah, that, and I think that so. would make sense because every other character's face looks fine. Yeah, look at the mouth on the "You Coward" panel, where like Supreme is like, uh, you got to flip past the double page spread one page. Yeah, and then there's that panel just Supreme's face saying that's, "You Coward." That's totally Liefeld right there. Totally Liefeld, all Liefeld. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, the, the the eyes too far apart and all the all the eyebrow lines. Yeah, that's the totally Liefeld. That is the little like the mouth crease. Yep. Like, <laughs> yep. It is. I that's I guarantee that's what he's going for. 
And uh, I like Supreme's balding, like his bald head. Yeah, it's it's a bit more bald than what Corey was doing. It's like that 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 little tuff of hair in the front is like. A yeah, I don't over, like that. I, I think it, it's too inconsistent. It's like yeah, really thin on some panels, and in that dragon issue uh, on the invasion, it was like really thin. It was like yeah, I, I don't know. If, I, I guess that's I don't know. Just Eric's interpretation, I guess. Yeah, and again, I, I think it's basing it more on the life field, kind of. Look how damn bald he is on that panel on the top page. When yeah. it's punch, pow, yeah. Pow, look how bald. <laughs> it's, like, it's, it's like a mohawk. <laughs> but I love it. I mean, I think it's cool. If you look at the refs on the previous issue, that's how it was in the pencils, apparently. Yeah. So Corey's been drawing with too much hair the whole time? I suppose so. No, if you look at the if you look at the refs, like there's that uh, page 67, 67 page four, and he's getting it's the cape wedgie panel, right? Or the the cape wedgie splash page. Yeah. He's totally got the cute the egg head with just the little like faux hawk up the middle, the little mohawk. <laughs> I love it. I I think it's awesome. It, the main thing is it makes him look totally different than Ethan or the other Supremes. Right, and that's the main thing, is that he definitely looks different than the other characters. He's like an older that, Supreme or something. Yeah. I mean, that, I guess that's the thing about Mean Supreme, is that he's supposed to be kind of old, right? Been around forever. Because Mean Supreme's thing is, right, he's been around since the Golden Age, and he's just gotten harder and harder over time. Well, see, there's where you step into Weird Town, because this is actually the real first Supreme, as we all know here in the real world. Right. But first Supreme is running around with the Supremes, like Ethan and them. Right. He's the one with the C.C. Beck eyes. Yeah, so the in the Alan Moore run, yeah, he's the original Supreme. So I don't know. I think I'm okay with Mean Supreme having that like thinning hair because he just seems like a mean old bastard. Isn't like regular? Isn't Mean Supreme though? Like, has, wasn't he in World War Two and stuff? Like, yeah. there was some of that in Glory, right? Yeah. right? yeah, I believe that's the case. That's what I was commenting on: is that Mean Supreme is supposed to be like hundred, either like a hundred years old or mo- older, and that's kind of why he's got the balding thing going on. Is it's just his hair is thinning out? Right. I like it. I like the egghead. Yeah, I think it's great. <laughs> um, we kind of skimmed over it, but uh. Ethan, of course, he got rejected for his art being too uh, nicey-nice in a in an edgy and uh, techno superhero world. I like that harsh that editor rips him a new asshole. And then it, <laughs> Ethan rips his own artwork apart and then says, see, that's what I wanted to do, which is a real asshole thing. That's great. If you've ever been – if you've ever had the pleasure – of having your art criticized, most people that are in a position to criticize art on a regular basis, right. they're not there to do you a favor yeah. or spare your feelings. You, That's a way it have is. Have you re- received a, a little of that, Raven? I received that. You would have. You would not believe. We're not talking about internet trolls. You would not believe how amazingly harsh. And, and like I, you know, had the full college experience, and those guys are there. They're like supposed to tear you a new one and break you down so even that didn't get to me you'd be amazed how like harsh people can be in real life to your face at like <laughs> conventions and stuff oh my god so yeah absolutely they have this this uh rim job that this editor that egbert gives him accurate well it's perfect good to know it's perfect <laughs> don't get your feelings hurt you know you better have thick skin 
don't go ripping your pages up. Yeah, when he ripped them up, and the editor's like, "That's what I wanted to do." I'm like, "Yep, that's right. That's about right." I like so, how um, I like yep. how Eric draws Ethan Crane's glasses kind of just all white, so you can't see his eyes. It's just like a reflection because it also serves pretty well as like a good disguise. Like you know, Clark Kent, he doesn't really look much different than with his glasses on than with as he is with Superman. But the way that Eric draws Ethan Crane with just kind of like the whited out glasses, they almost serve like a mask. Right. You know I mean, so it's like almost like the opposite. Like he wears a mask when he's Ethan Crane and, you know, is his real face when he's Supreme. So right. it's just kind of a cool design, you know, to do it that way. I like glasses as eyes in general, artistically. It just makes a character look, I guess, gives it a little bit more character. Yeah. Separates him you from definitely, the other You definitely never guess he was Supreme in an alter ego. Yeah, he's uh, not very buff. Or anything. He's not. He's not looking buff there, is he? No. He's actually dumpy. In that, he looks kind of dumpy in like that fifth panel of the second page, all dejected. I like Egbert's like whaler's beard. He's got that. Uh, <laughs> what is that? He looks Whiskers. like uh, Herman Melville or something. <laughs> <laughs> perfect it's great you just can't believe I, how bad this artist looking i love his i love his shoes in like the fourth panel of that page i mean that suggestion of shoes <laughs> they're just like they're like high heels or something <laughs> they are. uh that's awesome yeah, that's the kind of thing. So that's what you know, that's I wasn't indicating he had something to prove or whatever. Uh, that came out wrong. I'm just saying that it's funny because that's a kind of thing that like we all know. It's just like whatever. It's shorthand. Who yeah, cares? Right. But that's a kind of thing that like you know somebody that's oh he can't draw. Like, Look how he draws feet. Exactly. Exactly. Shut up. You know. <laughs> you can't read. You don't know nothing. I do like the uh, Afro Supreme. She is just totally like, Rock's, check out her clothes. Sister like, Supreme. She's like rocking <laughs> the Eric Larson woman look. She is street walking it. Got on the tank top, the fishnets. <laughs> she's like the black exploitation Supreme, isn't she? That, that's like her entire shtick at this point, isn't it? Is that she's the 70s <laughs> black exploitation Supreme, yeah. Sister Supreme. And then there's the double page spread of uh, legend. Yep. Like you said, and that's it is a pretty cool double page spread. I mean, you got the robots and the and the alien monsters and the chromium up on his little hoverboard overlooking the whole thing. And Supreme, like the, the, the green color of the background is gorgeous. It's awesome. It does sort this of highlight awesome the whole man. the reds. It brings out the reds. Yeah, yeah. I think I think green's like the the opposites of uh, red. I'm not sure though. I'm not an artist. No, I was just gonna say you just look at like chromium standing up there on that hoverboard, and like you said, just so simple, and yet you know exactly what it is. Yeah. It just looks badass standing on that thing like above everything. I guess that's kind of what I was trying to get is that he's not like you know heavily drawn i mean he's he, he he lacks detail but you don't need detail to know who or what he is or what he's doing that sort of information isn't necessary on a on a character that far in the background whereas supreme up front he's more detailed you get like the there little dirt go. hairs under his between his muscles that sort of thing 
Exactly. This is an awesome layout. <laughs> it is. I'd love to see the original art, how it looks like in person. Yeah. Oh, I bet it's even better. <laughs> no, I was just going to say, like, the inking style. I love when, like, Eric does, like, the inking and he uses his little, like, knife to kind of, like, do the make the little scratches. You know what I'm saying? Like, on his black inks and you just do the little scratch lines. I don't know if it's a you knife see it there or... there Supreme's leg. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I love that. Oh, is and that how that works, or there's that scratches directly into the ink? Cut right into the board. I believe that's how he does it. Kind of like... Pretty sure that's how it's yeah, done. Yeah, But see, that's like that's all the technique that people are saying that this issue lacks. Like it's unfinished, where you see stuff like that, and you obviously know... He labored over it for a period of time. Right. Because little details like that would not be there if he was rushing it. Right. Oh, yeah. The little dude's head in the butt. <laughs> that ain't no rough job. Some, that was some thought. I know that sounds funny, but it's like, you know, he was rendering that and thought to include a joke there. Uh, it's, uh, there's all kinds. If you look at this... Just this layout. I won't derail us too long, but I'm just saying, if you look at this, look into the crowd. Mm-hmm. There's little dudes with their arms up. I mean, there's just all kinds of stuff. It's detail-rich. Hell yeah. It might not be what you're thinking, but it's detail. It's, it might not be, like, you know, slick. Right. But it's detail-rich anyway. Well, that's the thing. I think, you know, Eric's stuff has way more energy than something that's so tightly rendered and, you know... Some artists, everyone, you know, there's artists out there where people just praise the crap out of them. And I look at it and it's like, there's no life to it. It just looks like, a, you know, I don't know, a still photo to me. Like and, a person would who would draw this same scene would do everything they can to not draw the crowd because they would labor over every character you could see in the crowd. Yeah. So they it, cut out the majority of it so that they wouldn't have to draw as many people in as much detail. Whereas Eric does a whole bunch of little black blobs to suggest heads and then puts a few little details in the front row and that's a crowd. There's just it's just it's so fluid and just so there's just a lot of power behind it. It just you know, that's stuff that I guess I don't know, a lot of people just don't get, but I love it. Me too. I'm uh, right there, witches. So moving on, we got more fight. I mean of course we got Supreme is in like a uh, a uh Coliseum type fight. He's uh, Chromium is like sicking goons on him. Eventually, Supreme goads Chromium to come down and fight him directly, of which he does. Badoom, badoom. A lot of that fun uh, left, right, left, right action we love. Yeah, Supreme gets smacked around, and this and Supreme doesn't even get one shot in. Yeah, that's, that's a good it's point. Over. Is that Supreme seems to just roll over and take it in this particular. Uh, that that's a question: Is Chromium actually hurting him, or is he uh, just luring him to a false sense of security before he blows him in pieces? So uh, blow by blow, from Chromium punching uh, Supreme, it goes pow, crack, choom, scroom. <laughs> scroom. And actually, you know what? That's another interesting point. Just real quick, is that the uh, sound effects? seem much more organic to the art when Eric does it because I wanted to make a comment in the previous issue where all the sound effects look like they were like a font. Yeah. Whereas these ones obviously look drawn in by Eric himself or perhaps. I think they're probably still a font, but 
Are they? Yeah, I'm looking. Oh, it is, it is Chris Iliopoulos, so maybe. These definitely have that digital look. All right, uh, you might be right about I'm, that. I don't know, they just, they just seem more um, varied than they did in last issue. Right. I did think it's, like, a lot, too, to do with that, like, dynamic, like, just the composition, you know, these two beating the crap out of him. We know that Eric can draw the hell out of a fight scene. The colors on this is fantastic. Like you said, like, that first panel, just the explosions with the splatters, that's sick. Yep. So then we cut back to um, Sister Supreme and uh, Ethan having a chat at a coffee shop, I believe. (laughs) It's such a great turn of events. Yeah, I like, though, the, just again, the nods of uh, him saying that, you know, they're just acknowledging that, uh, you know, Supreme he lost his supreme powers, it affected his art, you know, all that good stuff. Like you said, he wasn't meant to, he, he tried to go back to his old life as a comic artist, and he can't. Because in this world, he's not a comic artist. Right. right, or or even if I mean he may still have artistic talent, but he relied heavily on his like super speed and his steady hand and his, uh, maybe even his like microscopic vision or whatever to be a better artist. And without it, he's just not as good. See, in this page, it's so funny because they really drop kind of, and you know, people want to complain about how this wrapped up or whatever, but. He said his goal was to set up the next guy as hard as he could. This is an awesome wrinkle to the whole Alan Moore thing. Just where they're sitting there discussing the whole events of what happened with the supremacy. And it really is different. Like the fact that his uh, run opened with the supremacy being destroyed. Right. And then here they are. They're sitting and they're talking and they're like, well... You know, how do you even destroy, like, Limbo? They're like, you know, right? how's that even work? They're, like, asking the questions that we as readers have been asking since it got destroyed, because is the supremacy... Can the supremacy be destroyed? If it was destroyed, does it renew itself now that a new continuity has taken over? Well, didn't... See, what the... Supreme moved the supremacy, or... Well, he whatever the Citadel the moon. on the moon. Yeah, and the portal's on the moon, so I guess what they're saying is, you know... If they die, it might just reappear back in limbo. Is that so? If you killed all the supreme versions, they they just kind of reform back in limbo again. See, that's what they're saying is that that's exactly what this whole like conversation. And it's an awesome, interesting concept. They don't give you the answers. All they do is pose the questions. They leave it open. And they leave it open, but like it's a it's a great wrinkle because. You know, and the issue begins, you just accept the fact that uh, the supremacy is destroyed and the portal's on the moon. And I heard people bellyaching that, that he was just, you know, wiping his hands with Alan Moore's run. But, like, here, clearly, they're addressing the concepts. You know, nothing's been thrown away. Right. It's all still there. And, in fact, they're adding the wrinkle that, like, they don't know. Because what they're doing by existing in this, like, universe it's not really like anything that was done in the old run or ever done before it. So who's to say? Maybe there are other versions of them still in the supremacy. Right. I don't know. Right. It's cool. It's a cool wrinkle. Whether or not anybody does anything with it, who knows? <laughs> so uh, in a in a interesting turn of events, uh, Sister Supreme and Ethan go for a roll in the sack, 
which uh, <laughs> is kind of weird on a couple of different levels. Getting it on with your parallel self. Yeah, that's yeah, that's kind of odd. Not to mention <laughs> the fact that Ethan presumably still has feelings for Diana. So how does that even work? Oh yeah, I didn't even it think was, about that. It was thrown at him. <laughs> it, it, is it really cheating if your ex-girlfriend doesn't remember who you are? <laughs> Wasn't that's he supposed to be like awesome a Boy Scout man, like this, like a that Superman? But um, yeah, that's what's so awesome is that it's just totally unexpected. But uh, he brings up a point during this scene that apparently there's like m- like millions of variations of Supreme in the Supremacy. Or thousands, at least. Yeah, that's accurate. And, I mean, compared to the old stories. So that means I mean, there'd be multiple versions of Lion-Headed Supreme in the Supremacy, not just one? Hmm. I guess? I don't know. I don't really know how it works. Or how it was presented, I guess, is what I'm trying to ask. Right. That's They don't try to answer it. And like I said, sadly, Alan Moore's like whole run it was sloppy they never defined it like but like that's basically what he's talking about like even though he, even though they're in bed and she tried to loosen him up with a roll in a hay he still can't stop thinking about it like he mentions like every slight change causes some kind of ripple effect so that kind of means that every time anything happens there's like multiple possibilities so therefore multiple supreme should appear in the supremacy to represent that that just raises further questions. And it makes my <laughs> At least to hurt. me, because I think about this stuff all the time. <laughs> no, it's good. It's it's Like I said, it's a cool can of worms he's opened. And what's sad is I don't see too many people wanting to continue with like something that complex. Yeah, that's and that's the funny thing. I mean, there are people complaining that Eric uh, brushed the supremacy under the rug and didn't want to deal with it. But here he is trying to... Uh, extract some sort of rule system for something that Alan Moore laid down. He's not ignoring it. He's actually overthinking it in some respects. Right, right. That's the bummer. I mean, I, I'm sorry. I hate to be, I hate to be negative, but it was just such a bummer because it was clear that there was like all kinds of good stuff still yet that he had in mind to do. Right. And now and, we won't get to it. Yeah. Oh, you're, you're saying because it's the I, final issue that nothing's yet, you know. Some of this right. Stuff and, yeah. yeah, I mean, because that was the thing is a lot of pe- the assumption that it was overlooked was wrong. I mean, you know, here it is. It's clearly being addressed head on. It's in there, and I don't know. It's kind of like it's a, it's a bummer. Uh, like it was just hard to not be bummed because I was like, oh. Well, there was, he said was nothing was on the cutting room floor though. Yeah. Well, you know, the thing is, I thought Eric Swan was going to run like 12 issues at first when I first, in my head for some reason I don't know if it's just I just automatically 12 is a nice round number yeah and then you know when that didn't happen it was like oh well, we're gonna have an 80 page you know final issue and you know we're gonna have a story focusing on each you know type of supreme character so I was like oh crap like it makes you wonder what kind of stories he was thinking of and then right. it just turns out to be like a normal size issue and it's like yeah wow that's a lot to wrap up or try to at least get to a point where you can pass it on. That's the thing. This issue is less of a wrap-up issue and more a let me reiterate what things are still relevant and so the next guy can take them over. Yeah, and I think that was the complaint on some of the people like in the board and stuff like that on on Eric's forums. I think the expectation was that Eric was going to, you know, give you some kind of conclusion and 
like you said, he he, it just opens up more questions. But it's cool because it, it like like he Eric has stated himself, and like we just went over, it, it kind of gives room for the next guy to take it over because Eric doesn't own the property. You know, you can't really damage or 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 change things when it's not your. You can tell when it's not your property. You can tell a good story, but it's nice to put the pieces kind of back for the next guy to tell his story. Right. That's exactly what happened. Is that like really, if you've ever read any comic that transitioned from creative team to creative team, there's always that return to the quo. Right. Or at least, at least so, eventually, eventually, you know. I mean, he got it as yeah, close but, as. But he which could. status quo? Because Supreme has at least two. There's definitely the Alan Moore and then the Rob Liefeld. This 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 run it's been a good had the lofty run. it had the lofty task of merging those two. Right. Alan Moore like said countless times that he just threw everything out because he hated everything that came before it. Mm. This was actually an incredibly awesome like way to like not disregard the stuff that came before it. So, you know, people should have been totally down. This this five issues, man, it had a lot to do, mm-hmm. and I still think it did really good considering all the crap it had to deal it with. Was definitely one of the more entertaining series of the last uh, six to nine months. Right. Definitely, definitely, and it definitely gets me interested in reading more stuff, Eric, that isn't Savage Dragon related, like mm-hmm. his his uh his ant project. Right. Right. Oh yeah. Which. Uh, once now that Supreme's order over, that's kind of the next uh, big non-dragon thing. Yeah. So uh, we should wrap up this issue. We're getting there. Um, one of the uh, we're getting sentimental, Jim. It's the last issue. It is. We're running out, and we'll never do it again. <laughs> Sing a song now. I like um. Freck. Freckazord. Yeah. I like the the panel where it's just like. Uh, chromium's kind of jets or his little spaceships blasting away at supreme and i love yeah. chromium's laugh ha ha <laughs> <laughs> you're triumphant yeah. <laughs> yes because lasers from a spaceship are going to destroy supreme i did it ha ha <laughs> uh their fight is awesome uh, yeah, this is a great slugfest. There's big puddles of blood on the ground. I was very pleased with this. Robots and aliens fight. and fire and. I think I think my only problem with this is it's kind of a multi-faceted problem. Is that we just had a fight issue, last issue, that was a really good you know punch down drag out fight, and now we kind of have another going on. It almost feels like overkill. Mm-hmm. Like. I got a hunch that this Chromium fight was supposed to be more complex in terms of uh, interaction between the two guys. But it just kind of got wrapped up. So it just kind of got reduced to another slugfest. Right. In a lot of ways, it feels like it's taking away from uh, non-Powered Supreme's uh, story, which probably is more relevant to the overall theme of the, uh, the run. I mean, it's cool. I mean, it's fun to watch Eric draw stuff blow up and burn up and explode. But uh, it does feel like two issues in a row of largely the same thing. Because Chromium appears to be at least be able to go blow for blow for the most part. Much like Omni-Man. Well, I say that, and then there's Supreme's fist going through his midsection. 
Uh, yeah, I think it's a way, classic. I think it's more with Chromium that he throws all his minions and his firepower at Supreme. I mean, he does get a few good punches in there. I mean, he's no slouch, but right. I think a lot of his attack on Supreme is from, you know, his minions. Minions just getting in the way. Which, by the way, I love that there's a, a panel in here where he's just like... Supreme's using his his heat vision, just blasting everything, and I love when Eric does like the kind of close up on like the guy screaming in in the front of the panel, you know, as yeah, as, uh, Supreme's just murdering everyone. You just see the guy screaming into the panel. <laughs> doom, 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 doom. I hate Mondays. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think too. If you want to talk about like the jobs that had to be done, honestly, this issue is showing Mean Supreme at like some of his most awesome and really even the fight between Omni-Man him being someone else's property you knew he wasn't going to punch his guts out or anything crazy it's sad but true you know that he can't do any like lasting damaging permanent thing so I think it was important to have this slugfest even though there was one in the previous issue because in this fight even though it seems fairly mindless because, I mean, you know, spoiler alert, he just totally obliterates everyone and everything. Uh, it not only establishes that this Mean Supreme is still absolutely about killing you and just writing you off. He doesn't want to leave loose ends. He wants to, like, take care of people for good. Yeah, he doesn't even and want your planet to be around. <laughs> scorched Earth. Yeah. Doesn't even want... Yeah, so, like, he absolutely he murders the guy, kills every... kid, blows his whole planet up, throws the guy in the sun... I mean, I think that even though there was a slugfest, that was a fantastic way to illustrate, you know, to whoever comes up next. Just how dangerous and extreme Mean Supreme is. Well, yeah, because like I said, power, like displaying his power levels, nowhere else in this five-issue run had you seen this. A lot of people never read Mean Supreme from the 90s, so just how powerful is he really? He's blow your damn planet up powerful. Ah, yeah. So that's what I think that fight was really about. That's a very good point, and I think I can accept this fight a little bit better now. Good job, Raven. <laughs> that's yeah. That's all I was thinking. Is you, like I said, you just got to remember that it's the setup issue, and that explains so much of what happens. Right. Like not giving you answers to the like, hey, let's let's what's what happens with Limbo? We don't know. It's really not there to help you. It's just there to set up groundwork. I'm a Supreme nerd, probably. <laughs> I'm sorry. I love Supreme. I always thought he was kind of awesome. So yes, I'm into it. I'm so sad this is ending. Yeah. So we <laughs> get we, we, so we get back to the non-powered Supremes, and there Darius Duck is trying to train them how to fight uh, Supreme, which I assume Darius Duck has more experience with. When he's I, got this fancy Iron Man type armor. When I, that I love when it. I first saw that that third panel, I just thought they were all wearing like those Hulk gloves. Hulk gloves. You just went to Walmart. Hulk gloves. <laughs> Hulk hands. Murder mitts. I love that they were murder mitts. Isn't that hilarious? Aren't they like power gloves? Yeah. Do you notice that Squeaks got one with only like four fingers? They've only got four fingers. You're right. That's funny. I didn't notice that. That's good. <laughs> good looking out. So uh, apparently the the way the mitts work is that they absorb the power of whoever they uh they capture. So they wrap up 
uh, Darius duck in his armor and presumably absorb a little bit of power armor power just to test it out. Uh, so the, the the theory is that if they can get their mitts, uh, their murder mitts on um, Mean Supreme, they can get a portion of their Supreme power back. Which is a good theory, but uh, and they all seem good. They all seem like they're they're uh, they're excited about it. But uh, Mean Supreme's kind of fast. Yeah, <laughs> they like, acknowledge like that. Like you're de- decapitated before you blink fast. Look at look at the panel. The the there's a panel where like all the the Supremes have got their murderments wrapped around uh, Darius Duck. And just read read those two bubble the two speech uh, bubbles. You got whack. Wh- you got whack me. That was yeek. Easy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wanted to comment on what, how uh, Squeak looks uh, because we were talking about how Squeak looked in the previous issue. Mm-hmm. Eric's version of Squeak is a lot different than Corey's. I mean, he's got like dot eyes and like a huge mouth. Yeah, smaller ears. The Mickey Mouse ears, though. <laughs> This is one of those uh, instances where I think not having a slick or rendered style can be a benefit. It, it helped with Squeak's face. Mm-hmm. Like, it helped a lot. Right, because it could be as uh, cartoony as you imagine, as opposed to being defined right. in one way or the other. Right. But uh, what's in, what, these, these two pages are kind of interesting because they basically it sets up that they've got this possible solution... But then we cut back to Mean Supreme basically destroying Chromium and throwing him into the sun and blowing up his planet. I love that. Then, I love that panel, you, by the way. Yeah, just, what, throwing Chromium into the sun? No, the, pa- yeah. the panel is just like, it's just panned out and you just see the freaking planets destroyed and there's just like little like skeletons and just everything's on fire and just <laughs> looks like crap. It's awesome. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, Chromium's like begging to just kill him, and you can tell he's like completely broken because everything he ever had and everyone who he ever known is dead, and it's his fault. And there's a crazy life failed face again. It will be my pleasure. And then, then the, he runs him through the earth. Yeah, I, earth. I love the way. <laughs> oh, that's right, that's right. He goes down, so he must have went through the entire planet. Yeah, just goes down through. His... That's what's happening. That's a just that's a, so overkill. It's great though. It, it, that panel with him just like clutching chromium flying through after he just busted through the planet. Chromium's face looks really cool. And then he just flings him. I love that panel. Like you just see like the you can just see the motion in it of him just flinging it and you just see like chromium's feet, you know? And then he's just heading towards the sun. It's just it's a great like series of panels. Just really flows. It, it's wicked. I mean, this whole fight sequence is just, like I said, if nothing else, just to show just how badass Mean Supreme really is. And is it like, me? Why? And is it That's me, it. or is he smiling in that third panel? Yeah. <laughs> That's after he That's after it. he tosses him into the sun, and you just see the skeleton. He has a little smirk. I love it. Today love was a good day. Right. <laughs> Now he's heading back to Earth. Presumably. Well, that's the thing. We don't really know where he's headed. He's in space. Does he know how to get home, or is he lost, or what? You get the idea he was teleported to uh, Chromium's world. We don't know anything about that. So, yeah, it's totally up in the air. Because we get back to uh, Earth, and apparently it's been months since their training, and Mean Supreme has never come back. Oh, wait. Oh, weeks, not months. Sorry. Still, it's been Yeah, yeah, you're right. Weeks, I mean. Yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. 
so uh, the, the non-power Supremes have basically come to the conclusion that maybe fighting Mean Supreme on even ground is not a good idea, now that they've had some time to think about it. And, uh, yeah, and the, they reiterate again, they're, they're really all about Ethan's theory, that the supremacy still exists. Still exists. Apparently getting to the moon is now their primary goal. Being here at the end of the issue... Oh, wait. No, you know, this will be better said after we look at that last page. Okay. But uh, So I'll save it. <laughs> but uh, Darius Duck is a little disappointed that everyone's given up. Yeah, which is kind of funny. Hey, Supremes. <laughs> 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 just there is that pedal where he's just like, whack. Yeah. <laughs> Not saying a real word. Ducks, they're funny. <laughs> but uh, then we turn the page, and Diana has returned. Diana Dane, uh, Supreme's old girlfriend, and she's visiting Suprema in the hospital, who's still pretty busted up. Uh, apparently, Diana is starting to recall uh, memories of her past with Supreme. And what was I going to say? And apparently, the, what did you want to talk about this, Raven? All I was going to say is that is what is so awesome about what happened here is that that this page of her coming back and she's getting her memory back. Right. That just seals the deal on that whole like these are characters that like exist outside of revisions. Right. And they know another revision is coming. In fact, she's getting her memories back. Is that so, what happens as you start getting your memories back before the revision occurs, that there were revisions in the past? Well, see, in the in the Alan Moore issues, there was nothing like this, so there was no precedent. Right. So in this five-issue arc, these characters are all doing unprecedented things, right? Ah, uh, okay. So they fell out of the supremacy unprecedented. What happens? There's a revision. Mean Supreme is the Supreme now, but these guys that are from what should be outside of this reality are in it, you see them kind of sort of start to forget things. Never was it more like than with like Supreme's girlfriend, Diana Dane, walking off and saying, I'm already starting to forget you. Here she is, this last panel coming back saying she's starting to remember. What's so awesome is that these are characters that know a revision is starting to come. Hmm. So it's a cool thing. Like I said, it's not really anything any other comic that I know of has done or is doing. Right. So, you know, creative teams are going to change. Eric's off the book. But it's cool because these characters are remembering. They're, they realize that they're out of this world and they're starting to be affected again by the oncoming creative team. But the thing you didn't bring up was the big the big reveal is that Diana's pregnant, presumably with uh, Ethan Crane's kid. And I kind of assume that because she was impregnated by the previous revision is what's causing her to remember is that now she's tied into his story again, and so... See, and that's what's cool, is that she is tied into his story again. The way a revision would have affected you is that, like, you know, you just would have fit into the the new world, right? Right, your memories would have been changed, your... Whatever exactly. history would need to be changed would have been changed, and you wouldn't have been aware if there was ever a revision in the first place. Exactly. You get the idea here with being like, oh, and I'm pregnant. It's kind of like these characters are becoming unaffected by this revision here. They're starting, you know, she's getting her memories back. Basically this ties really well into Ethan's theory 
that the supremacy is still out there existing outside of revisions like it always was. Right, okay. So, so I hope that makes it easy to understand. It's a really cool like plot twist. Right. And of course that concludes the Eric Larson run on that moment. And I guess the entire th- point is that Eric wanted to end his series on an open ending so that whoever comes next can follow it up if they so choose. Right. I mean, I, I believe he mentioned elsewhere that the whole reason he put Supreme, Mean Supreme in space is that if the next writer didn't want to deal with Mean Supreme, he can just have him lost in space. Yeah, that makes total sense. And never talk about him again. Yeah, I think he the said only that problem in like a Q&A with that so. is how are those guys going to get their powers back? Yeah, to figure a way. Right. But, I mean, yeah, it leaves it open. Writer, Someone will figure a way to do it, you know? It, it's cool because if the new writer wants to. Uh, address all this supremacy nonsense and stuff they can right or they can just you can just as easily swipe you know wipe it all away by just saying hey you know another revision came and everything was replaced right no no mean supreme no no ethan crane nothing the first uh the first page of uh issue 69 of supreme is just gonna have diana dane walking out of an abortion clinic and you just never see her again She makes a deal with the devil to get rid of the baby. <laughs> um, something I wanted to quickly touch upon, of course, we we all know that Supreme probably isn't going to be continued anytime soon, or if it is, we don't know who's going to be doing it. Um, you guys remember when um, – uh, what's his name? Uh, Tom Sholey. Tom Sholey was making uh, suggestions that he wanted to take it over, but – that didn't happen or at least it hasn't oh, happened. Oh, we don't yet. know. I mean, who knows? Yeah, I mean said. anything's possible. But have you have you guys been reading his uh webcomic recently? His new one? I haven't read his recent one. Like was it like something with Satan Satan Soldier? Yeah, I haven't read the, the most recent one. The thing about Satan Soldier is it's kind of a Superman type story. Yeah. And I'm curious <laughs> as to maybe this is his outlet. Oh, he's what, using what he not necessarily what he was gonna do with Supreme, but at least gets his, his Superman type character ideas out there. Because it kind of has a super uh, supreme type bent, where the main character—I uh, don't think he's really named—but Satan Soldier is probably a good bet as his name. Basically, he's very <laughs> brutal and very dangerous. Hmm. So uh, that's awesome. I'd now recommend you, checking I it out. I want to read that. <laughs> I like. Um, that'll be my, that'll be my Supreme sixty nine. Did you uh, did you guys read the letters column to this uh, Supreme uh, sixty eight? I did skim them. I just, I, I definitely. Read, hmm? There's there's one funny thing that Eric kind of is a little mess up. He's like, you know, Eric says, you know, I'd like to thank Rob Layfield and Eric Stevenson for all the support. Alan Moore for the lead in Supreme, Corey Hampshire for the finishes on 63 to 67, Steve Olaf for the colors, Chris Eliopoulos for the splendid colors, and every one of you for giving Supreme a shot. So he. Uh, Thanks, Chris Eliopoulos, for the splendid colors, even though Chris is the letterer. The letterer. <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> oh, he, oh, oh, he said splendid, superb colors and splendid colors. Yeah. Whoops. Steve, he, thanks, Steve Ola, for superb colors and Chris for splendid colors. He meant splendid letters. Yep. <laughs> Whoops. This, Olaf does superb colors. We know Chris does splendid. I do like he put a little blurb at the end that says, Next, a new creative team in a bold new direction. So I Even mean, though he has no idea. Well, I mean, that might have come from Rob Layfield. You might ask to, him to put it in there or something. Maybe I think it's just a little touch that the entire point was to leave it again open ended, like like Alan Moore did. I mean, Alan Moore intentionally left it open ended for the next creative team yeah. 
to pick up from. And that's what Eric did here is he left the story seeds oh, yeah. are still there. If you want to pick up on them, you can. Yeah, I guess I took that literally. I guess I was just hoping that there would be a 69 around the corner. So, yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah. It, it's true. It, he could have just put that in there and it would make total sense. So, so yeah. looking back at everything, I would have to say that I totally thought that this was, uh, I'm going to say, for what it was, given the time that it was allowed. I would have to say, you know, as high as regard as I hold Alan Moore's run, because he really did take a nothing character and make a big something out of it. I think Corey and Eric are both to be commended because, like I said, this is not an act really anybody wanted to follow. Right. Yeah. And they did awesome. Yeah. I mean, I I mean, like I said, I have no interest in Supreme, but I love this series. Yeah, I like this series. I felt like it sputtered towards the end, if I have to be totally honest, just because I think, I think you know, it's it's not anyone's fault. I think just the sales weren't there. Um, but I was hoping for, like I said, at least like a year worth of Eric on Supreme and a lot, you know, a lot of the story flushed out more. So I, I enjoyed yeah, it all. I, I think having that big gap between, I forget which two issues it was. Was it 67 and 66? The Omni That Man. sucked. Yeah, we had to wait forever for that. That sucked, and I think that kind of lost a lot of the, the momentum of the issue. But Yeah, definitely probably put the nail in the coffin. Yeah. Yeah, I hope. Yeah, you can't, you can't delay like that, like on a book that's not doing too good anyway. Yeah. And it's too bad because the first four issues all seem to come out on time. Yeah. But that's the way of things. I guess at that point the uh, sales were dropping off and it just wasn't profitable to light a fire under it. So other stuff had to take priority and here we are. I've never had a monthly deadline like these guys, so I'm not pretending like I know what they're in. But I have had to work on something that was not financially help, like helping you out at all. Mm-hmm. And like you're you're still killing yourself because you want it to look good and it's not like paying your bills or whatever, but it's still eating up a lot of your time. And you know it's hard. I mean it's just the reality of things. It's hard to get enthusiastic. It, like it's hard to bring your A game. There's just it's so many complexities go into it. So I don't really hold anybody like oh, like I'm not mad at any one party. If people had, I, I am gonna attack people. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna attack people. You listen up, world. This is you. It's your turn now. No, there was a, so much stupidity against Rob Liefeld for these extreme relaunches. Yeah, and, and like I, Eric touched on that too. Remember? Yeah, and that just killed me because Glory, which is amazing, is getting ending. Supreme, which was a great ride, is ending, and it was just. Well, even I would think a lot of it was stupid. And prejudice. Bloodstrike with you know Tim Seeley is that's getting turned over to Lightfield. I think you know sales probably have to do something with that because if that was that book was setting the world on fire, he'd still be on it, most likely. So now we're losing. Sales. We're losing Glory. We lost Supreme. Blood strikes going over to Lightfield. I'm not, you know, I like Lightfield's creations, but I'm not a big fan of Lightfield's art and his writing. So I don't know if I'll stick around for that. I did not yeah. like the Young Blood series. I tried the first three issues, and I thought the writer was horrible on it. It was like uh, the writer of Black Swan or something, some Hollywood type that 
Oh, yeah. yeah, he ain't a Hollywood and, type. He did The Wrestler and he did Black uh, Swan. Those are not, quote-unquote, Hollywood movies. They were fairly indie. But he wasn't a trained comic writer, and it was obvious. Yeah, that's true. It was obvious when you read it. And the funny thing is I listened to some of the podcasts on uh, Image Addiction where they uh, they interviewed the, the penciler. I forget his name. And he was actually even kind of – busting on the writer being like you know some of this stuff just didn't make sense you could tell the guy didn't you know had hadn't written for comics before yeah well that makes sense i mean there there is some overlap between writing for the screen and writing for comics yeah. but they are very different beasts so i mean the only saving grace is that profit is still around so profit's still doing good uh, i don't know if it's by doing good, good but... it's selling six thousand copies and dropping well, they... by the month for American comics, that's a barn burner. So we'll see where that book ends up in the next few months. Yeah. I just hate – I want to say that like I hate the fact though that like stupid hate, like to blindly hate on something because it is even associated with someone. Yeah. People denied themselves you know, definitely a treat with Supreme. Glory was my favorite book of 2012. Yeah, I agree. And what, didn't Eric say it, hell yeah, like sold like, you know, way more copies than Glory? Yeah, I think and Eric that is said utter that. insanity. Yeah, it is crazy. I mean, just today, somebody. Well, I guess it wasn't today. I guess now I'm looking at it. It was a month ago. But uh, some guy posted a post on on Comic Book Resources forum, saying asking specifically who gets money from Glory and profit. Because he doesn't want to give Rob Liefeld any money. Oh my god. And that is the only that is the reason he gave for not reading those books is because he doesn't want to put money in quote unquote that classless jerk Liefeld. That's despicable. That's so despicable. Funny thing is too, because Liefeld you know is such a nice guy. For all the shit that he gets, and as much as he gets shitted on. He really – Most people wouldn't be that nice. But he really <laughs> is a nice guy. Like you might hate his work or whatever. But you can talk to him at a convention. He's a nice guy. I mean, he has every right in the world to be an asshole the way like people talk so much crap on him. If I was hated as much as he was, I'd be a total asshole. Yeah. I mean, I posted here, basically, I called the guy out uh, saying it was pretty scummy to call Liefeld classless, considering he's giving all these creators free reign to do whatever they want. Yeah. And yeah. I got a response right now, like five minutes ago, that says, yes, but you can... You, if you overlook his entire career, he has shown no class in the 90s or today. One good act doesn't remove his entire career of classlessness. Now, I'm no expert oh. because I'm not a fan of Liefeld. But I'm pretty sure he was fairly consistent in getting books done on time and working with other people. Can I would I not say, never call him classless. Maybe talentless, <laughs> but not classless. Can I say that – I wouldn't uh, say he gets books out on time either, but anyway <laughs> – he doesn't. No, he's actually terrible for deadlines, <laughs> oh, I think. Oh, okay. And he also quits books a lot. Oh, well maybe that's it then. I mean, he's got his rep for a reason. There's no it's not coming from nowhere, right. but at the at the end of the day, these books suffered pointlessly. They were some of the finest books to come out in 2012 and top 10 it material. Is, it is absolute foolishness. Comic Book Girl 19 um, did this big thing on glory. And she's super enthusiastic and happy about it. And then you get to the end of the, her like uh, show, and she's like all crying because she's like she just at the end of the show like heard that it was getting canceled. Oh jeez. And 
It stinks. I'm saying it was really quality. There was nothing like it. And for people to hate it for such dumb reasons, I'm sorry. It is foolish to just turn your nose up at something without, like, giving it a chance. That being said, I'm pretty sure Joe Keating said that he only planned to do 12 issues anyway. So it isn't so – I mean, the sales weren't there to continue, but I don't think he had plans to continue anyway. Oh, really? That takes the sting off. Because I, I, I believe that's what I read in an interview. I don't know if he's just saying that because the book got canceled and wants to let people down easy or if that was actually his plan. But my gut says he planned 12 issues and that's what we got. That helps. <laughs> so I was bummed. Expect a were... proper ending, I guess. Yeah, I was bummed thinking there were untold tales. But that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. So should we? So this episode has been going on forever. So let's uh, wrap this up. I assume next time we're going to be talking about Savage Dragon uh, one eighty number. One eighty number. <laughs> Sorry. One eighty four. Good grief. <laughs> Which will be dealing with Savage Dragon in his trial, or at least the beginning of his trial. And we'll also have the conclusion of the Vanguard serial, which will be pretty sweet. Very Hopefully exciting we can stuff. get that turned around quick because that issue is already out and we have that in our hands. Yep. So expect to hear about that in the next month. Hopefully sooner rather than later. So with that, we wrap it up. And uh, thanks for listening in. And uh, we'll talk to you next time. Well talk at you next time (laughs) because this is a podcast we'll fake some parts where we're pretending to interact with you like and what was your favorite book mr what was your favorite book mr black (laughs) oh what book did you like in 2013 (laughs) the savage fincast is a part of the gutter trash network and the image addiction family of podcasts it can be found at either fincast.guttertrash.net or imageaddiction.net